Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the Big Hunker Podcast. We have a big giveaway going on this week only. It ends on Friday, uh, what is it, August the 11th or something like that. We have a major giveaway going on. The Mr. Corey over there at Double T British Kennels is giving away a brand new puppy. We're throwing in a Lucky Duck Kennel coming with a Moe Marsh uh, blind and dog stand. A lot of good stuff. Go to our Facebook. Six months worth of Perina dog food. And five months and of five training. five months of training. Thank you very much, Double T. So go to our Facebook page, The Big Honker Podcast. It has got everything uh, listed on what you got to do to get entered to it. It's this week only, so you better hurry up and do it. Also, go over to our YouTube channel, The Big Honker Podcast. Get subscribed to it. Every Thursday evening, we are releasing a brand new episode of our series, The First Family of Waterfowl. It is season two. And it is very, very good. So go and, check it out. And look us up on Patreon at the Big Honker Podcast. We release three videos a week. It costs you $3 a month. And there will be more goodies tied to it. So this podcast is brought to you by Shin Gear at ShinGear.com. They are releasing all sorts of good stuff. They just came out with a brand new pullover just yesterday. Jeff got it in uh, yesterday also as it was released. So Jeff will have to tell you how it is, uh, on the three and a half hunts a year that he does. Um, <laughs> the bibs are phenomenal. I was lucky enough to torture test them last year. They're great. They're waterproof. They're wind resistant or windproof. Hell, you don't feel any wind, uh, great material and great people over there at shin gear. Their waders are out of this world and they have a guarantee. They will stand behind their waders for as long as you stand in them. So if you ever have any problems with any garments that are from Shin Gear, send it back. They'll fix it and get it right back out to you in a timely manner, which is important. ShinGear.com, go check them out. Also, we're brought to you by Pacific Calls at PacificCustomCalls.com. They're releasing some new calls. They've got another spec call coming out, the BBS, and they've got a big goose call coming out. The BBG, it is going to cater to the guys that are chasing the big geese, so... My favorite is still the BA Lesser call. It is the one that I choose and the PCD duck call. So I know a lot of guys are moving to the no name. I'm a PCD guy. But head over to PacificCustomCalls.com and get whatever you're going to need for this coming waterfowl season because it's coming shortly. We're also brought to you by Double T British Kennels, BritLabs.com. Mr. Corey over there that's doing the giveaway, he has an 18-month wait list. The proof is in the pudding. He's putting out some phenomenal dogs. We'll have a couple dogs out here this year at Stanfield Outfitters. So hardworking, good dogs, good pets, good citizens, just great good attitude. Overall. You, you you can't go wrong with Double T British Kennels. You just and, can't do it. And Corey is a stand up guy. I mean, he goes above and beyond for his clients, and his dogs are just a testament to the hard work that he puts into them. A good man with a great, great, great company. So check them out, BritLabs.com, and you can get on a waiting list or send him an email. And, you know, if you've already got a dog, he can help you in the training of it. So send him an email, check them out, BritLabs.com. Also, we're brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. You are missing a major, major advantage if you are not shooting Boss Shot Shells. Uh, the Stanfield Nines, you need to call or email them. Order them direct. Get a hold of Meg at the shop. She can take care of you on the Stanfield Nines. The best teal load you can buy this year. Yes. And dove load. If you're hunting some state land or federal land that doesn't allow non-toxic, the nines are going to be great for dove hunting too. So, um, And then as far as waterfowl loads, just get the old standard. The old two and three quarter inch, three five blend. It's the way that I rock New war chiefs will be day. out this month. War chiefs are coming out. They got a lot of cool stuff uh, going on over there. 
uh, sign up to everything that they got going on. They've got uh, different email email letters and newsletters coming out, so you can stay up to date on everything that Boss has going on. But major, major advantage once you switch to Boss. So, Also, we're brought to you by Lucky Duck. They have got a lot of brand new stuff. They've got a brand new spinner out. Uh, you know, if you're a goose hunter, you know this. Once the spinner's going, uh, there's nothing worse than geese come in and you got to turn off the spinner and wing side up. It always stinks. White side up. So they have figured out a way, white side down, black on top. So it's going to be black and white. That contrast is going to catch the eye of the bird a lot easier. Also, dove season is coming up for a lot of people down here in the southern states of Texas. They've got great dove spinners. The more the merrier. Dove will do it just like teal will. So get you three or four of those dove spinners if you've got a dove hunt coming up. You're not going to regret it. They've also got dog kennels, five-star crash test rated. They fit the big boys in there like Lou. Uh, I cannot say enough about Lucky Duck. Everything that they do is great, and they're always trying to find a way of improving. So head over to LuckyDuck.com and pick from any of the various items that they have. You're not going to be disappointed. Brand new ice eaters out too. They're in the ice eater game. Yep, the floating ones. That's right. We're also brought to you by Hemp Hill Farms for your CBD needs. Listen, I'm getting a little bit older, so I got more aches and pains than I used to have. I take I take Hemp Hill every night. I take a gummy before I go to bed. And the roll-on, I absolutely love. I'm old. I get in the pool. My grandkids wear me the hell out. They think I'm a jungle gym. The knees are sore when I get out of the swimming pool from wrestling with them for hours at a time. Put on some salve or the roll-on. Put it right on my knee. Quits hurting within a minute. I like the roll-on. Got a little bit going. Got a little something going on with my ankle and Achilles. So just roll it on and the pain goes away. He's also got uh, pet CBD. So uh, if you have a dog that gets a little bit anxious, maybe when the guns are going off, or he's just a bucket bronco until the first flock comes in. Maybe check out some pet so CBD. You're going to keep Lou zoned up all year I'm long, gonna, right? I'm going to keep him doped up. Yep. He's <laughs> going to be, he'll be pissing hot by the end of the year. So, uh, but no, great, great people, all natural, uh, all organically grown. And, you know, the, the way that they do everything, high, high quality over there at Hemp Hill Farms. And first time customers get, save a little bit of money. If you got the ouchies and everyone that's older has an ouchie, whether it's a shoulder, an elbow, or anything, the roll on is so easy. You just roll it, just, just put it on, and it, man, it doesn't burn like being gay. There's no side effects. It just it makes you quit hurting. I highly recommend it. Hemphillfarm.com with a PH. We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. They have revolutionized the silhouette game. It is still the most cost-effective way of having a nice waterfowl spread. Uh, you can get five or ten dozen of the silhouettes, and you know you're in the game pretty much anywhere in the in North America. And you don't have to break the bank doing it. They've revolutionized silhouettes and they've revolutionized silosocks, which is a very good way of adding movement to your spread. I cannot uh, recommend socks enough. Put them out there. Wind's moving. You got natural motion. And all motion is not created equal. The folks over at Dive Bomb Industries figured out a way of having natural looking motion added to your spread with the socks. So head over to Dive Bomb Industries. You can order right from their website, and it'll ship straight to your door. Also, we're brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. It's the way we start our morning here at the Big Honker Lodge every single day. They have a blend for you. My preference is the Missouri Boat Ride blend, but they've got it all. they got suns up, guns up, high velocity, first flight, whatever you're into. And my summertime favorite 
is the cold brew. It's how I spend my afternoons every single day. A little cold brew, a little bit of sorcery, and it's my afternoon pick-me-up. So head over to Dirty Duck Coffee. They're great guys over there at Dirty Duck Coffee. If you're going to any of the uh, coming hunting shows, game fairs coming up, I know they're going to be at it. So stop by the booth, get your morning pick-me-up. Also, we're brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. They are the reason that we still have ducks. They are the leader in wetland conservation and I am so excited to be attached to Ducks Unlimited. Great okay. group of guys. It's it's season. It's time to go to the banquets. Go buy you some raffle tickets. Buy you gun or win some guns. Buy paintings, decoys. You can fill up your whole house at one DU event on perfect stuff for that perfect man cave. And it all goes to a great, great, great source, which is to build wetlands so we can have ducks to hunt. Support them because they're supporting us as duck hunters. Also, we're brought to you by Mossberg, mossberg.com, and we've got some new guns showing up here shortly. Yes, we will have the new. We'll have some over-unders. Me and Andy will be shooting over-unders for our TV show, and we will have. they are providing guns again for our Gold Star Hunt. Can't say a, thank you enough for that. There will be eight young men and or women. I think there's a little girl, too, coming this year. For the Gold Star Hunt, Mossberg is very, very, very charitable of them. I don't even know if that's the word I should use. It's very nice of them to donate these guns to these kids for a great cause. It's a great company. The 940 Waterfowl, we shot those last year. Great guns. Reach out, grab you a Mossberg, shoot it, and try it, and see if you don't like it. They're good guns. Also, we're brought to you by Alpha Outdoor Specialties, maker of the Stanfield Stool. It's going to save my back all this coming waterfowl season. And they've got a brand-new blind caddy coming out. Keep, I'm going to be able to just be like having a TV dinner in there. I'll have a place for my coffee to go, and I'll have me a little workstation set up. So alphaoutdoorspecialties.com, you can go there, you can hit the shop button, and all of their stuff, you can see what all they're coming up with. So Great guys, the flooded timber guys, I'm telling you right now, their gun magnet that goes on the trees is the best thing I've ever seen for flooded timber. And be looking for that blind caddy, because it's what I'm going to be using all year long. Also, we're brought to you by the Looking Glass Podcast. Logan and Rebel put on a great show. If you like this one, head over to their Patreon account, Patreon, and just type in the Looking Glass Podcast, and you can be a part of the group of degenerates that are listening to their show. They're hilarious. It is a great way of killing long road trips, listening to Logan and Rebel. And, you know, every once in a while, you'll gain a little bit of knowledge. So Logan and Rebel are great dudes, and we always look forward to seeing them out here at the Big Honker Lodge. So check them out on Patreon, subscribe to everything they got going on, and get prepared to laugh. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Dove season's just around the corner. We are in full off-season or full preparation for Dove Eve out here at the Big Honker Lodge. It's going to be here before we know it. We got a couple dates available. Give us a call, 940-658-3172. Ask for Shin Gear's Husky model because he's the one that answers the phone and we will have your email. I have the Monday and Tuesday before Thanksgiving. I have an opening then, and I think I have, I actually have a weekend. I have a, the November 17th, 18th weekend. I have a group opening then. I had a group move their date to another date, so that is open. That's all I have in November. The Monday, Tuesday before Thanksgiving, and that weekend before Thanksgiving, I think, is the weekend that I have a, a spot for one group. Hunting's outstanding then. That's a great time to come. I still got some times, some days in December. Got the week after Christmas and the week before Christmas. I have a couple spots open still. So, anyways, give me a call. We appreciate you listening to us and check out all of our stuff we have. We've got the Patreon account, Big Honker Podcast. We got the YouTube channel. It's got a giveaway. Don't forget it. Thank you. God bless you and be safe.
Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Travis Snyder of Northern Prairie Outfitters up there in the great Alberta, Canada. He is gearing up to go have another season up there, and uh, we get him on here, talk about everything that's been going on with him this offseason, dog training, the the grind that is about to start for him here in just a couple weeks up there in Canada, and then coming back stateside and hunting uh, the rest of the year in Arkansas. He's a super interesting guy. Played on the offensive line at A&M years ago and just a really, really good dude. Please enjoy this episode. Here he is, Travis Schneider. I like this gray. You know? I'm going to shed in here pretty quick. Is it hot? It's getting a little warm. You did, it. You did it to prove a point, so I hope you burn up. It is cool in here today, though, isn't it? Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Double T British Kennels. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world-famous Andy Shaver. Giveaway going on right now. Head over to the Big Honker Podcast on Facebook. You can see the video on how to get entered to that. But yeah, Corey's giving away a puppy. You get a puppy. You get five months of training from Corey at Double T. You get six months of food from Perina. You get a Lucky Duck dog kennel. You get bumpers. You get a Momar's field blind. Is that right? We're setting you up for your dog. Yep. So I don't want to hear any bitching. What, what we're doing is setting you up to get your ass chewed out by your wife when you come home with a puppy. That's yeah. what we're coming out with. Yes. Because that right. that's that's the way we roll. And yes, I am wearing a hoodie today. This is the new shin gear. I am the plus size model for shin. And it's a gray and it looks beautiful because it's a nice cold 62 degrees mm. in Studio A today. Because some some bitch left the air conditioners on last night and that some bitch would be me. Yeah. Travis, how much do you hunt? Our guest today, Travis Snyder. Going to Canada. Oh, soon. here we go. I know what we're going on this road. You're, you're to. the boss man. You're the boss man at MPO. How many times? <laughs> how many times are we hunting in a year? Mm, well, in Alberta, I hunt quite a bit, man. But I get to kind of cherry pick, dude. So anybody that knows me, I'm kind of a spec snob. Yeah. Training specs in that field, I probably ain't hunting it, dude. Like for big geese, man, I'm not walking across the street to shoot a big goose. <laughs> like I don't. I don't care about that. I hire people to come in and hunt Canada geese. And then on the duck hunts, man, I don't really get excited about those up there until like mid to late October. The birds are colored up, bigger bunches of mallards and, and stuff like that. And Arkansas at Goosebusters, I go every day a spec season. But, dude, during conservation order, uh, I bring people in so I don't have to sit my ass down in that blind no more. I I've been there, done that on the snows. I appreciate the bird, but dude, it's just that in that time of year, I, I just I don't like it anymore, dude. All the riffraff that comes into the state, you know, turning the box on, just a, a bunch of things. So you know, I brought Corey in, uh, at in and stuff last February, so I didn't have to sit in the blind and I could just be a. Scout. Go ahead and tell him, Wendy, what you're wanting to get at here. Andy's fishing. Here's what he's doing. <laughs> what was yesterday? I get a box to my house. Big box. Big, beautiful box, as Trump would beautiful say. Beautiful box. Big, beautiful box. Huge box, as Trump would say. Shin gear. And I'm like, hey, 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 yeah, okay. Open it up, and it's all of Jeff's shit. 
I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? The over and under in Vegas for Jeff hunting this year is three and a half. I'm going to beat that in uh, in Canada in October. And he's got, he got bibs, he got jackets, he got hoodies, he got all sorts of good stuff. And it's at my house, so it was a big letdown for me. I'm the fat man eye candy for Shin is what I am. They can just throw me up there. Body positivity, man. They're into plus size model movement these days. That's right. and all that shit. Not good. I can't. I like got to the bottom, and I felt like Charlie Brown. I was like, I got a rock. You got, you got two of the coolest new vests they have out. (laughs) I got, I got to the bottom, and nothing in there for old Andy. Nothing in there for the grunt. Boss man, though, he's gonna look good in his in his uh, ride. Gatlinburg. Does Jeff ever hunt? Does he ever go? When cameras are rolling. Y'all are y'all are talking like I'm not sitting right here. <laughs> I, I was gonna mention that I watched y'all's episode, the last one, I guess, and I I saw him in the blind. Oh yeah, that's on that. That's, hunt. I was killing. I'm killing. We yeah. I have made a deal with the federal government. I will not hunt much because it's too hard on the birds. Yeah, that's why. So I just don't do it that often. I I hunted more last year than I have the year before. I will go if we get some rain and some water. I will do some teal hunting. Right now, we're going to be limited on teal holes, and we've got some clients, so we can't hunt them much. But if we get some rain like we're supposed to in September, and we got some teal holes, I will teal hunt with the boys. I always do. I enjoy that. Mm -hmm. I don't mind going. My problem is when hunting season gets here, I just got so much crud going on. You know, we were just talking about it. I mean, time I I scout in the morning, I, I hunted last year probably three or four times, and I would go to the field with the understanding and I don't know why I have to make it an understanding since I'm writing everybody's checker in this place. But I go, I show up when it's time to start shooting, and I leave about an hour into the hunt at the max because I've got a scout for the next day. Jeff, I appreciate that, man. Like during uh, in February, I went three or four hunts, and you know what, man? I showed up about the time the last decoy is getting put in the ground. Uh, when the good was gone from the hunt and the birds were done flying, I unloaded my gun and I, I carried my ass back to my truck, man. I've got a better system than you got. I had someone come pick me up at the blind so I didn't even have to walk to the truck. Yeah, it's like a it's like a drug deal. Like he flashes the lights and like you know he's ready for you on the highway, so you gotta go meet him and chauffeur him back and forth. It's quite the quite the red carpet. One, one day I'll get there. <laughs> quite the red carpet. It, it took a long time to get to that point. But but I do enjoy. I got where I did not enjoy even going and thinking about going. But I really enjoyed it the last couple of years, and I enjoy visiting with the guys. But I hunted at Thanksgiving. I hunted with Steve, Bucky. I think I hunted three or four times last year waterfowl, and then I teal hunted two or three times. So I hunted seven eight times last year max. I'm going to hunt five days in Canada on one trip, four days another. Nine days just in October. That's a world record for me, probably. Jeff doesn't even tell anybody goodbye. Like you just look up and you're like, where the where'd he go? Scouting. Where, where did he, he's Jeff, gone? Jeff, when do you when do you go hunt, man? Do you go hunt because you got family in the blind? You go hunt because they're like some pet customers of yours have been hunting with you forever? Do you hunt because the field is loaded and the weather's nice? Like when is it like, okay, I'm well, I can be 100% honest with you. If it's going to be cold, shitty, nasty fucking weather, I ain't going. If You got the clothes for it. I do have that. If it's going to be a barn burner, I'm, I'm going to be there. If I go hunting, it ain't going to be a slow day. I can tell you right now. <laughs> I ain't going to run traffic. If, I, if, yeah, if I'm going to fly, yes. I to get excited, yeah. dude, because they know it's yeah. And there's days we run traffic. I know we're going to shoot a limit of birds. It's going to take a while. I don't have time right. to waste. 
I want to go burn it up. If we get a field with a bunch of ducks in it, a duck field, you can count me in. I'm 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 there right there because that that excites me. I like watching field duck hunts from the road. It excites me that much, but I damn sure want to partake in that. But yeah, but the problem is the client wise. As long as we've been doing this, usually every day I've got clients here. I'm I've become friends with, and I do and. And so it's, I, even if it was a bunch of strangers never hunted here before, I don't mind that because I like cutting up with people and being one of the guys. But my deal usually comes down to timing. And if it's going to be a really super hot field, not going to be done real quick. If I, if I know we're going to be done in 30, 45 minutes tonight, or that's my kind of hunt. Just because I don't have time to jack around much more than that. Well, it's a good, it's a good sanity break for you too, man. Cause that scouting and doing all the behind the scenes stuff that, that it takes for, to have a successful operation, man, it gets mundane. It gets old at times. So, you know, stepping in the blind, even if it's just for a little bit, helps to break up the, the monotony. One of the things I enjoy the most about being in the hunting business is probably something a lot of guys hate. I love coordinating different I, I love putting groups together. Like I, I have days I set aside with twos and threes and ones, and I put all that together. I enjoy doing that yeah. kind of stuff. And, and the I, matchmaking. The matchmaking stuff more than I do anything else, I think. Like if someone calls up and books 16 people for three days, that's great. But I enjoy those days where I'm putting twos, ones, and threes together, and people become friends, and they come back as a bigger group. I really get my rocks off on that, and I don't know why. But I enjoy that part of the deal. The only thing I don't like dealing with is when things around the lodge don't go the way it is. The hunting part the aspect doesn't bother me. It's the lodge stuff. You know, food truck doesn't show up with shit. Michelle is super, super good about having everything the night before she needs. We're not usually waiting on a Cisco truck to get here for something we're going to feed that day. Because if we're waiting on it, right. fucking somebody ain't going to show up or it's late. But the, the hunting part and the scouting, I, I enjoy the scouting. It doesn't bother me that much at all. Uh, and I do most of it by myself in the mornings. I very seldom have anybody with me in the morning time. Do you do you enjoy by, being by yourself scouting? Oh yeah, man! Because I get to listen to what I want to, or turn the radio off, not talk to anybody, just kind of you know have the deep thought while beating up the roads and looking for the next shoot. So yeah, I I enjoy it most. Nine times out of ten, morning or afternoon, Alberta or Arkansas, I'm solo. We. On the scale. We, we hunt north of Knox City, about uh, 10 miles north of here, and some of that big ranch country. It's an hour loop if I make the whole loop through there. And, you know, sometimes I don't even turn the radio on. It's just me and a quiet vehicle. And Boy, you can have some wild-ass thoughts <laughs> with that radio. Yeah. <laughs> you can go down some rabbit I, holes through yeah, that. Yeah, but I, I'll catch myself a lot of times not even listening to a radio. And then I'll mint, like I'll turn it down, the phone will ring, and I'll turn the radio down. And the next thing I know, I've been driving an hour and I forgot to turn it on. I'm like, son of a bitch, I was fixing to listen to somebody argue or debate on something. And it's, you know, I'll never see it. I'll never hear the end of that conversation. But I do. I, I like the solitude and the peacefulness of just a quiet vehicle, just me sometimes. Johnny Miller, he'd go down those yeah. rabbit holes by himself. Like, he, you get back and talking to him and, you know, he'd tell you about some of his thoughts on the scouting trip. You're like, what? Where did you go today? Remember him? Dude, that dude would go. John was one of like the nicest people I've ever met or been around. But man, you get in a truck with them and listen to some of that shit that he would listen yeah. to, dude. You would think he was just like angry all the time with all that old like eighties, nineties, the beginning of like the heavy metal and shit. I, I don't know. He, 
But yes, rabbit holes were a plenty with John. He told me a story one time about he had dreams about knocking somebody off that had done him wrong mm-hmm. and knocking their teeth out with a hammer so they couldn't do a dental records on them. And clipping and then, their fingers off. Clicking their fingers and then feeding them to a bear so nobody would ever find or know nothing about it. I thought, boy, boy man, went deep that a, day. You spent a lot of time thinking <laughs> about this shit. <laughs> I had several bad hunts in a row or something, and just mad. <laughs> oh boy, was going deep uh, that day. Yeah, clicking the deal. Yeah, and, and his stories about yeah. shitting himself were the best too. Yeah, he had a he had a fetish with pooping. I think he had the loosest guts about <laughs> a, anyone I've ever. It the. Uh, it would go right through them. It's like, dude, you, it, it was like clockwork, man. Y'all go have lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever. Didn't matter. And about mm, five to ten minutes later, yeah, he's in the can. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, that guy, I tell you what, he was a good one. He really was. Yeah, he was. He was. Every day. Every um, day. So yeah. you're getting ready to go to Canada. What do you, like? How does that work? Like, Are you talking to farmers throughout the summer to kind of know what you're going into or are you just going to be massive scouting when you get there? No, I have a few that I, I keep in communication with just to, you know, see how things are going, what's the rainfall like then, you know, how the crop's doing, you know, that sort of thing. You seeing any baby ducks or geese, you know, falling mom around or anything like that. It, it sounds mostly positive or a touch dry where I'm at in Alberta. Uh, I'm going to say it's similar from what I'm hearing right now, it's similar to how we were in 21 uh, with some of the, the real small uh, seasonal potholes uh, that the ducks really prefer to breed on and, and, and raise their uh, clutch. It seems like that stuff's kind of dry this year, but like the medium, the larger potholes, the big lakes and stuff, we'll have plenty of water. Actually, our duck hunting in 21 up there was very, very strong because of that fact, because they they concentrate right instead of spreading all over hell's half acre they're they're more concentrate just makes it a little easier on you yeah so but i think that i mean is that is that uh is that normal like i mean it's not a make or break deal for you like as long as the big stuff has water in it like you can get by without the smaller stuff right oh yeah we'll be just fine and like when the snow melted back and stuff this spring i mean there there was plenty of of water there it sounds like the birds uh, the duck, the local ducks there in eastern Alberta have had a uh, a good hatch overall, so it sounds pretty positive, man. And it does, it's like I tell people all the time, you know, wet, dry years, good hatches, bad hatches, it doesn't really matter, dude. You want to know why? Because I'm going anyway. Right. Got, you know, already got customers on the books, and, and we're going regardless. There's going to be ups and downs twists and turns the whole way are, are you selling guided hunts or are you selling uh kills you're selling guided hunts people pay for i've got a guy that has called me three times this year and if he listens to the podcast i hope he doesn't call me again <laughs> but he he calls and all he's worried about is shooting a limit of birds that's all i heard well, if I if I go over here and they do this and y'all don't do this, but they do that over there, but this place here does this, blah blah. I finally told him I said, "Listen, if you're wanting to just shoot a limit of birds, go somewhere else. You may shoot a limit of birds yeah. here, I mean, you may not. I don't know, but if that's all that's important to you is killing a limit of birds, that's it. You want to shoot five geese and be done, and that's it. Go somewhere else. You know, 
Because I hate got bad news for you. You can go to the best outfitter in the world, and they have days they don't do very good. It's hunting. Oh. You know? Oh. Anybody that says anything different is just a bold-faced liar, man. We all get our ass yes. kicked. Everyone. It's inevitable. I mean, we're hunting wild birds, you know, dealing with Mother Nature. You never know what she's going to do you day to day. And when that bird gets off that roost every morning, they might go a different direction. You have no idea what they're about to do. So, And there's so much more. Like someone that thinks like that, they either haven't been hunting very long or they're like they're just real shallow thinkers, in my opinion, because there's so much more to this hunting deal than pulling the trigger. That makes up such a small percentage of the overall experience. I mean, really, yep. you got to see Pat. Yeah. And like it just it's it's frustrating because like think he's got the mindset of well i'm paying so like my results are inevitable like i paid for this i've got to get this it's an entitlement to him right that it's automatic deal. Yeah. but it's funny i found an old hunting journal that i had when the boys were little a ducks unlimited it was a red leather one michelle bought for christmas for me one year and i actually have wrote in it the first and so i did used to hunt some because I, I read in the books but it was when you guys were little and matter of fact there's some of johnny's in it too because i was writing about it but Back then, in the mid-90s, late-90s, early-2000s here, my memory says we shot a fucking limit of birds every time we went out. Right. When I read in the journal, huh, we had some slow days, I noticed, in there. Because I was going back, and I was like, well, we did shoot a lot of ducks back then every day. I did notice that. But we had a lot of water every year. But it, it was funny reading back the journal. Even in the best years I thought I could, in my memory, of the greatest hunting ever, we still had bad days. And this guy here would throw up some other outfitters. I'm not going to say their names because they're friends of mine. And I'd be like, yeah, they, they have slow days too. Everybody does. If you're just wanting to, and it's not a big group. That's what's funny. You know, it's three guys. Well, I'm not, you oh. know, three guys. Oh, God, there's three of us. Well, yeah, we run a six, seven gun minimum usually. You know, what are you wanting to do? But guys like that just floor me. So I always just send them somewhere else. I'm like, call Justin Hill over at Ranger <laughs> Creek. <laughs> Justin would be the perfect target for that leprechaun <laughs> dealing with folk, just like that fellow yep. there. But you just can't, you just yeah. can't tell them. It's just, I don't know. I, and I'm getting older in this, and my patience isn't, you know, what it was. Wait for about ten more years from now, how impatient you'll be. Well, it's not just that. It's just like if they would just expand their mind just a little bit and appreciate <laughs> some of the smaller things that happen in the morning. Even yeah. the bad days, they can be some of the my more memorable hunter days that were really, really slow. And just the cutting up in the blind or, you know, changing something and it working or getting one yeah. flock that really, really did it well. Epi episode yeah. episode three of our new series is a perfect example of that. And unless you're a hunter, you probably did not get it. But Andy and them started out and thought that they were on they were on the X and thought they were going to be done real early. Well, the wind was different than what it was supposed to be, so the birds kept far setting them on that. Am I am I setting this up right? Mm -hmm. They moved stuff, moved stuff around, and then they finally got it to work and they shot out. And this one guy goes, well, "Why didn't them other early birds do that?" I guess you didn't notice them moving fucking decoys for an hour trying to get it right. The wind was different, but but you hear a guy yeah. say that on the video. Well, golly, why didn't the mother group? Why didn't the early groups do it just like that? Well, trust me, I thought that. I was watching that the other night, but man, God, anybody that's guided long enough has been there, dude. Like 
you think you got everything set out just right. You're sitting in a field that had a bunch of birds in it the night before, maybe for the last two, three days, your setup hides good, blah, 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 all that stuff. First group comes out, spin, they look good, and then they short stop you. And you're like, all right, man, let's pull that shit in, get it closer. We'll open this hole up here in this lane right there, and they ought to be fine now. Next group comes out, they might be a touch closer, but same deal, same result. A guide does not, there's not a time that you feel like more of a jackass. And whenever you're running out there in front of your guests, pulling decoys and stuff, birds flying around all over you. But dude, if you don't, you ain't going to kill nothing. Yeah. Like you have to at that moment. You have to. And sometimes that can be hard for a guide, especially a, a rookie guide, to make that decision because there's so much going on, but it's something that needs to be done and needs to be done right now. Yeah, I don't like it. when the guys are commenting, Hey, birds are coming. It's like, I got it. Sun's up. We're going to have birds all morning. Like that, that's just it's what it is. I saw they fly. Yeah. Like yeah. we're going to see birds, yeah. but I've, if this does not change, we're going to see birds. And that's all we're going to do is see birds. Does it bother mm -hmm. you more when the guy thinks you're blind and he's like birds to the North birds yeah. to South or one o'clock, like, 11 o'clock. Like Travis is saying, like we're out pulling, you know, pulling shit, making holes bigger, moving, moving decoys. And the guys are like, Hey, birds are coming. It's like, Got it. Yes, sir. Probably coming yeah. from the North, right? Yeah. That's where you're seeing them from right side of the blind. Makes sense. That's where the roost <laughs> is. Got it. Noted. Uh, I'm going to every group. We call those people like that periscopes, dude. Everybody's got one, man. The dude that's always standing up, pointing out the bird that's like three counties away and all that. Call, shit. call, call. <laughs> and then, like, yeah. like in, like here, there's only a handful of roosts. There's only a handful of places that the birds are going to come from, and I pretty well know where they're going to come from. Like, there's not a whole lot of surprises <laughs> on the flight path. So, to tell me birds from the north, it's like, yep, that's where they're roosting. Got it. So that hunt y'all showed in that last video y'all did, was that a early season? Yeah. Deal? Yeah. That was, uh, that was November, mid November. You said date. When do y'all start first speckle bellies there in your three ball? weeks, four weeks, October 15th. I think. No, 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 no. The first specs will be here in September. We oh, start having big September. numbers. October 15th. We'll have 30,000 geese here. Probably. Yeah. That Just hunt calendar was, birds. That hunt was November 14th. That's what I tell people all the time, dude. Like in uh, in Eastern Alberta, man, you can set your watch to it. It's October fifteenth. It's two or three days either side of that. I don't care if it, if there's a blizzard outside or if it's sunny and seventy five. You will be out in the field that morning, and before legal light, it is a steady stream of specks coming out of the out of the north northwest, and they are going south southeast, and it is. From can't see to can't see, it is a steady push, and it normally lasts for about 24 to 36 hours, and it is a massive migration every single year. Do doesn't matter the weather. And yeah, it's those it's those photo period birds, those calendar birds, whatever you want to call them. Doing their yeah, thing. they'll be here, and um, I have guys all the time. Well, it's what if it's warm? We all, first of the year we're going to be covered with birds. We always are. I mean, it's like clockwork. Mm -hmm. We'll be Michelle will be outside. Dicking with fall fall decorations, and she'll be like, "I heard some specks fly over," or I'm watching football on Sunday, and we'll have a north wind, and the, she'll open the north wind windows in the house, and you'll hear a flock fly over. But in about about September 20th to 28th, somewhere around there, we usually start seeing our first. You know, you'll see a flock of 25 to 50 birds, 
And then by October 15th, we're usually running birds off peanuts to keep them off our fields until we can start hunting. Oh. And when does y'all's goose season open? November, November 4th this year. Yeah. That's what I was looking at in my phone. Yeah, I've got videos in my backyard of birds flying over October 16th. And then we're the next day we're running birds, October 17th. And we're running lots oh. of all day long. I've but got a kid working for me. It's all he'll do the last two weeks of October is run birds morning and afternoon. But if they sit on those peanuts, like we're not gonna have shit to. They're not. They're not gonna be able to eat anything in December. Oh, dude. Hey, man, we do the same thing in Arkansas. Like those birds, the first fields they normally hit in our part of Arkansas do. Like those early specks that get there, it it's corn. They go corn first, and then the rice, and that that is. And then when they get in that rice, they stay in there for a long time. But man, you let them big bodies of geese sit in those fields for long, dude. You ain't gonna have shit to nope. hunt. You know later on it, and it don't take them long yeah. man especially when those snow geese get there dude those big pockets of them so it you have to so uh, in arkansas your specs will eat corn because here the last couple of years there's been cornfields oh, but they have not they haven't been getting in them yeah man normally our early season spec you know arkansas spec season now opens up on halloween weekend our opening is october 28th and uh normally our first hunts are in corn it's either corn or rice it's one of the two but more times than not it, it's going to be a cornfield hmm. you know those ears that are still laid up which you know in my mind it, that doesn't make sense you would think it would be the reverse and they wouldn't hit going to the corn until the temperatures drop yeah. right so that bird get those carbohydrates and stuff like that to help keep them warm keep them body temperatures high but no, they they really like those those cornfields early. We would if, if if I had my preferences, I wish our state and I went round and round with our biologists and they don't listen anyways. I would rather our season mm-hmm. open October twenty eighth, like we used to a long time ago. And instead of getting those that extra week in February that nobody freaking hunts on, give us that early in the year. We'd be running full bore from Halloween weekend on, October twenty eighth weekend on. We'd be going. Because we have enough birds. So when does y'all Jeff, when is y'all season? The last end, week, the last Sunday in January is when we stop. Usually it we get a, a week longer, well, we get a, a week longer, but it's just goose hunting. Once ducks and cranes close, we're done. Gotcha. I, I, I just my guides are ready to go home. We're ready to go home. We, it's been a great year. We're done, regardless of what happens hunting wise. We've had a great season on the end of September or the end of October, or shit, January. Take a month, and, and we're done. We're ready to roll after that. I'm ready to go home, be done, go in Mexico. I've put in a whole a busy I heard number there like that last week or two of the city. Like when y'all, you know, if you hang it up January 31st or whenever ducks and cranes and stuff go usually out. Usually the like, timing is perfect for us to be shutting down. Crane wise, we were good. Uh, and we usually always have more ducks then than, you know, duck season could go till February 28th and I'd be okay with that because we got ducks. Right. But the geese have all gotten fucking smart. And, and even, even on the years we had great winters, by the end of January, them fucking birds got PhDs. It don't matter where they at, oh. especially nowadays with 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 the waterfowl hunting as popular as it is. They're, they're seeing the same shit from September first in Canada until they leave here. You know, so it's the, the birds are smart. So by that time, we've had enough, and they've had enough. Would you want to go till February fifteenth, Andy, if the hunting was good? If the hunting was good. If the hunting was good, you'd be wore out still ready for it to be over with. Well, I'd I'd like yeah. If the hunting yeah. was good, and I hadn't heard the zipper a million times. I'd, I'd still do it. I fucking that zipper, man. You hear that? Explain zipper to the people that don't know. Oh god, 
football game. How many? Football that. game's over yeah. then. We had we had one of the best hunts of the year last year, the last week of January here. We we really? we had a barn burner and we were done quick and it was like they'd never seen a decoy before. But would y'all have some weather, something like some prefrontal or a fog? I think we had a little bit of snow, maybe. didn't we? Oh, there you go. I don't remember exactly yeah. what it was, but we had we we had a couple of times that really got good. But that full moon in January, if it's seventy five degrees and been hot no winter, it's uh I'm ready for a a short rope. When do you when do you start to see that turnaround from your birds and you see that reverse migration start to happen? About that second, third week of January, you start to see a trickle Thanksgiving. out. Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah, like that first pretty well that first full moon in January. And it really depends on the weather. Like if it's hot, if, if it's yeah. like last year, it was 75 after Christmas and, you know, January was mild, but yeah. it just, yeah, it's all depending on weather. But once that first full moon hits in January, like it starts to, it can go from a slow trickle to a fucking Niagara Falls exodus type of deal. Our worst week of the whole season last year was the coldest week of the year, the week before Christmas. Yeah. Was that that Christmas yeah, week? There? Yeah, fucking yeah. hunting was horrible for us. Absolutely shit. Man, and see, it was kind of well on the front, you know. So I think my last hunt in Arkansas last year, or leading up to Christmas, I think I hunted until the twenty second. I went home for a few days. I started back to work on the twenty seventh, and we were just on the backside of that cold. It was just starting to warm up, and dude, our hunt. I mean, the first hunt back in Arkansas, I shot 222. That was Shoot. on December 7th. Uh, and then the next 10 days, that run that we went on last season was, I don't know how else you describe it other than magical. I mean, <clears throat> Goosebusters has been around since 1984, and it was the biggest run that the, that the outfits ever had. We had the 222, and then we had... It was either four or five hunts in 10 days that were over the century mark. This, this regular season, no juke. I mean, just, you know, we're goose hunting. You know, that's that's it. No jukebox, none of that bullshit. So, What's the limit out there? Uh, you can shoot three black geese, so three three specs, you know, and, it, and we can actually shoot two Canada's as well, but I don't think we even killed one last year. It's very, very rare that you that you see a lesser in that part of the world. Uh, and then, you know, 20 snows or whatever it is. So, so when y'all were over the century mark, how many uh, snows were y'all killing in there? Several. I mean, that's full limits of black geese every day and then a bunch of snows. I mean, dude, the day we shot 222, my first day back, that was a full limit of snow geese for, let's see, I had eight, no, I had eight guests, a farmer's kid, me, and then, so there's your 200, and then the rest of them were black geese. We didn't even have a full limit of specs Holy that day. shit. And that, that hunt right there during jukebox, everybody shooting 10 to 12 rounds ago, that's, you know. Three to four ish. I'm gonna get. It was that. It was special. And then, the like, what was the weather like? Was it foggy and shit for the snow geese, or was it just your a normal? We were, we were field. It was clear as a bell. I can still remember. We had a, a light, like kind of east southeast wind. The birds had been going in there 
really for a couple days before, you know, like I said, that was on the backside of that cold stretch that we had right there during Christmas. And man, it, it was something, dude. Those birds would start breaking down from a long ways out, do the maple leaf deal, one spin, and in there. I won't forget it anytime soon. <laughs> any? It, it was a. Any bands? We actually did kill one that day. There you go. But you know, man, and and I'll be the first one to say it. Whenever you're having big shoots like that, you, you know your your kill is mostly going to be made up of juvies, right? And the amount of bands that you get on the on those babies, it's it's not often. So you got to really be shooting adults and stuff to get bands. Like the amount of juvie bands I I have or I've seen is very, very few in comparison to the adults. So I'm curious to see, we've got uh we've got a local person that's banned in works for the state. That's been banned in dove here. And we kill a lot of dove right around Knox city. And I'm curious to see if we're going to kill any banded doves this year. Have y'all ever shot? I know y'all run some dove customers. Have y'all ever killed a banded dove? Before? I think we've killed two that I know of, but I'm wondering how many people don't even notice, you know? Yeah. That'd be a yes, man. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, they're, a lot of the guys, their their attitude is just kind of this party mentality. So you know, you're not looking at every bird. You just kind of pick it up, throw it in your pack, and start drinking beer. Yeah, or we kill shit. I don't know how many thousand birds we kill a year, but we've killed two banded dove that I know of. Well, put that back. I know of one banded dove we killed. We found one in the pigeon. Uh, we were getting the mm-hmm. pheasant pins ready one year, and there was a dead dove had flown into it, and it had a band on its leg. And that, really? that's the only two banded dove we've ever had around here that I that I'm aware of. I'm sure that someone's killed one and didn't did not realize it, but we'll run sixty people a weekend a lot of weekends, so they're hunting three days. Oh. Shit, that's a bunch of people. Uh, and you know, yeah. I, I'll bet on a normal year we're killing four to five thousand dove, probably. If I was guessing. I d I don't know. I've I, never done the numbers on it, but we kill a banded we used to average when I first got in hunting business on the on ducks and geese, we would shoot a banded bird for about every sixty birds we killed. We'd kill a banded duck or goose. Then it got to hundred, and then it got to three hundred. Now, on a normal year, we'll kill one banded bird for every thousand geese we kill. Is that right? Yeah. We just because the central flyway is so steady, they don't band a lot of these birds like they used to, and we're killing the. <clears throat> We're not killing. We don't have any big geese here, and we don't have any local geese. And a lot of people are killing banded birds. They're shooting local birds. You know, if you're hunting next to a refuge or somewhere next to a big town, you're going to kill a shitload of bands because yeah. that's the birds you're shooting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If all if all your bands are like localized Canada geese, bub, you ain't showing me <laughs> no. shit. Really. And you have. Now, if you pull out some lanyards and it's full of Arctic geese, like true migrators and shit, I mean, that. now we might be talking a little bit different story because you ain't hunting next to the Bannon Station on them things. I mean, the Bannon Station up there is in, you know, the Northwest Territories, Alaska, none of it, all that big country up there in northern Canada. So, yeah, but, dude, you got a bunch of grass eaters and old shrimp geese or whatever, dude. I don't – that ain't nothing to me. No, I've shot – Back when I used to guide and shot, I've killed about 30 banded birds in my lifetime. I shot three one day out of three different flocks. It's luck. There are I have, oh. I have friends of mine have waterfowl hunted their whole life, have shot thousands of birds, have never killed a banded bird. Never. 
And then yep. somebody will go out yep. and shoot a bird. Their first bird they shoot will be banded. I mean, it's just it's a luck thing is all it is. It doesn't. Well, basically, if you really want to face the facts on this, you're shooting a dumb fucking bird if it's got a band on it. It's already like <laughs> caught once and let somebody put jewelry on it and let it go. If it's got two bands on it, it's a dumb bastard's been caught two times and let go. So, really, what are you bragging about here? Yeah, yeah. And fuck, man, you can get them things on eBay for like under two bucks. Right. Uh, have you ever been to Arkansas in the winter, no. like during dust? Y'all haven't. Y'all are too busy working. But man, a uh, a common. Uh, commonly seen fashion trend here amongst the locals, especially it's, you know, after, after your duck hunts over and you're walking into the, to the restaurant to grab a late breakfast, lunch, having a beer or something, the guys will have their, <clears throat> their lanyard with their calls tucked in their pocket no, right here. Promise. And man, you can see all the, all the bling <laughs> and they like, <laughs> Palm turkey on a warm spring day. <laughs> it is something. Oh. It's commonly seen. No. Does nobody don't. say nothing to them? Why do they do that? No, man, Jeff, because it's the locals, dude. <laughs> it's the locals. I've thought about doing it, but I ain't from around there, so it might not end well for me. I don't know. I don't think anybody's gonna smart off to you. You got you got the you can just fucking turn that A and M ring over on its head and put a Put a pop knot on their head. Hey, what do you think about all the uh, the the changing of the guard with all the new, like Texas is going to the SEC now? We're going to come down to basically three or four. The Big Five is going to be Big Three or four now. Yeah, yeah. How about what the Pac-12 lose? They lost everybody. Let's see, UCLA, Colorado. Did they lose Washington? Washington and Oregon are going to go to the Big Ten with USC and UCLA. Te- and Colorado, even yeah, too, right? Arizona and Colorado and Utah are coming to the Big Twelve, but this oh they but are. But I I, I read this yesterday too that California and Stanford are going to join the ACC. You talk about freaking having to go travel to play some what? fucking football. Oh, them kids are going to be zonked, man, doing all that traveling and then the the time zones and shit too, the jet lag. That would suck. Now, the ACC, that's smart on them. Now, But the ACC, Florida State, I think, is going to the SEC now. Yeah, so ACC is really? Boston College, Clemson, Duke, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Miami, yeah. North Carolina. So, yeah, Florida State's going to the ACC. Uh, the Big Ten. California and Stanford, though, are joining the ACC. But could you imagine if Clemson is playing California or Stanford? Stanford has a pretty good football team, but every three years, really good team. So I think this is how it's different. Big Ten and 24 is picking up Oregon, UCLA, USC, and Washington. And then... The Big 12 pick... Colorado. Colorado's going to the Big 12 again. Big 12 is going to pick up Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. But... You take California, that's good TV for the ACC. If the if Miami or Clemson are playing at 10 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock on Saturday, you only got one or two football games to watch, and it's going to be a Pac-12 school. So that's good for them TV-wise. But, man, I tell you, I think that Lincoln Riley done fucked up. He left OU because I don't think he wanted to play the SEC. Now his boys from Southern California are going to go play in Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State. In October, November, it's a chance it's going to be colder than shit up there. Yeah, no shit, man. I saw something, too, that the Big Ten was going to start doing night games in November, too. Apparently, that was a thing they had been getting away from, and they've been 
playing most of their games in a daylight because of temperature or whatever, boy, that'd be a shock for them. That's, but that also, they, they want the midnight games with, with you know, if Ohio State's playing USC Friday, Saturday night at 9 o'clock at night on ESPN, it's the only game, so everybody's going to watch it, they think. But what's funny is some of those schools in the Pac-12, like Washington and Oregon, they're on partial shares. They don't get the Big Ten big money like everybody else has. Like, uh, I read a deal, Vanderbilt will make more money in the SEC than Oregon will in the Big Ten because they're on partial shares. So really? they kind of like basically told them, from what I understand on this is, you can come over and join our conference, but we're only going to pay you $25 million a year where USC and UCLA are going to get $70 million a year. Or you can stay out there in the Pac-12 by yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and I think their deals weren't very good out there. That was the whole reason why that, or that is the reason why now that that conference is dissolving. So, what would y'all do on do, long road trips? Would y'all fly everywhere, or did y'all have to drive most places? Okay. The only time we would ever get on a bus would be uh, going to Waco to play the the Bears, and then uh, when we were going to Austin, that'd be it. Those are only two. Everywhere else, man, we we flew. Did y'all fly – did you get a fly first class, anybody, or just the coaches? No, dude. All, so this is how it worked at A&M. All the, all the fat boys, the starting five and the first two backups, I think I'm right on this, Jeff. We got the fly first class. <laughs> so on one side, D-line on the other, we would have – each of our position coaches would be up there. Uh, the head coach, his assistant would be up there. And then everybody else – to the back. <laughs> I bet you laughed your ass off, didn't you? Well, I mean, think about it, though, too. Can you imagine, like, when I was playing, I'm 6'7 now, right? But, I mean, I was 300 to 315 pounds, depending on what, and everybody else is pretty much that same size. Dude, you can't cram our big ass back there in the coat, man. <laughs> We'd be losing circulation and shit, knees up to our chin and all that mess. Dude, you can't do that. would be like torture. I tell you what's scary now is this fucking this this the jab, and a lot of these 19, 20 year old kids that are just in the peak physical condition of their life, and they're just fucking falling over. Yeah, dude. Prime example of that: LeBron James's boy like has a heart issue at practice. They people, what? I mean, they talked about it for about a day, and then they swept it under the rug. Let's not talk about yeah. that. Yeah, if he if he'd have been a pickup been, game, he would have been dead. Dead, dude. Yes. Why? Because there was yep. medical staff there. Yeah, they was at USC at practice. Oh, and they had a def- they 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 did proper treatment on him, and they saved his life. But his dad's one of these big Vax guys, or what? I don't know. I've read different things. I've read that he's not a Vax guy, and that he wasn't. That he is a Vax guy. But regardless, someone like that's going to have to come up and say, "Whoa, what is going on? There's something wrong." We've always had an athlete pass away during two two a days or something, one or two kids a year. But not like there is now. These people are dropping dead, and I mean, it's singers, it's artists, it's young people, and that's just the famous people we're hearing about. Hey, the fella, I don't watch much NFL. I know y'all do, but uh, the the player for the Bills, I Demar Hamlin. Hamlin, yeah. Okay, so what what was the deal on on him last year? I mean, he fell out mid game. They he? said it was uh, they said it was Kamosha something. Anyway, basically, what they said is uh, the helmet collided with his heart when it was at a certain beat in the rhythm, and uh, it threw it. Sure. It basically stopped his heart. 
Um, other people, you know, think some other things. Um, was he? Is he what? Is he vaccinated? I'm sure. I'm sure he was. I think most of those guys are. I mean, I think there was a big line drawn in the sand on, hey, you're either going to do this or, you know, we're going to make your life hell. Rogers, you know, what diva or however you feel about Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he was he was one of the ones that was willing to stick his neck out and be like, I'm, I'm not doing, doing this shit. But, you know, he kind of finagled the words and he, you know, he said he was immunized and the media didn't push any further, but he had done this, this natural kind of remedy. And then it came out that he was not vaccinated because he got COVID. Well, like the vaccination didn't stop anybody from getting COVID. Like you're still going to get it. Yeah, but not to say, um, yeah, I, I don't know. But all these kids that are just, yeah, I'm trying to find the, uh, they're for as long as they've been high school sports, it's kind of been, I'm trying to find the exact number. It's been 15 kids a year will have a heart condition. And now like it is just, skyrocketed since this fucking like post COVID post the vaccine and all that. Which, stuff. Uh, yeah. The kid that uh, plays for Denver, they lost one of their wide receivers with blood clots. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's, there's, there's four or five or six of them. Then players are talking about it. I talked to a guy that played pro football and he told me, he said, it's a locker room thing, but we just don't talk about it. It's kind of like the NBA and the China bullshit. They don't want to talk about it because they're getting so much money. You know, the NBA could shut down in America, and they wouldn't lose a cent. They make all their money in China anyways. That's where the money's made for that company. I mean, as much as they make here, it's not going to kill them if they had no basketball in the United States. So they're not going to speak out against all the bullshit in China because that's where their big money's at. Yeah, it's funny, man, how something that was so big and took up so much of everyone's life during that what two year stretch i guess really now it's hardly even fucking talked about man truly a crime against you oh but we all stole freedom and gave people control i was my mom's been in the hospital and i went seen her last night and i sat down talking to her and i was thinking about that exact thing last night a couple years ago when my dad was in the hospital right before he passed away it's hard as hell to get in the back door of a hospital everybody had to have a mask on you had to do this you had to do that I mean, if someone come in, they basically sprayed you down with Lysol before they'd even talk to you and shit. Same fucking life, same world we're in. Nothing's changed at all, but we're all back to being normal again. And the shit's still yeah, here. And I think about like how uh, the media was really trying to portray the unvaccinated, dude. Like you were some kind of freaking outcast or something like that. Like it was incredible and we let it happen some guy the other day needed a kidney transplant was a kidney or liver needed a transplant they would not give him one because he wasn't vaccinated he said i'm not getting a vaccine well if you don't get a vaccine we're not going to give you a transplant he died then they asked his wife for his organs because he hadn't been vaccinated they needed those organs why to give to another they wanted to do it someone else because he wasn't vaccinated and so the pure bloods like us yeah I'm telling you, our organs, I'm telling you what, if you're a young guy and you got pure blood sperm, that shit's going to be worth a lot of money right one day. A lot of money, yeah. Bob. Better bank and start cashing <laughs> yeah, in. That's right. Fargo, right. uh, yep. Yeah. What's that in your fridge, Jeff? Oh, I'm saving up some sperm for later on. How How yeah. was it? I mean, you know, I've heard stories about getting into Canada was just a nightmare those two years. 
Oh, dude. So in 20, you know, they take our business away. You know, you can't cross or whatever. Uh, I still went. Uh, you know, we own some property up there. I had the business. So I still went, got through. Actually, in 20, that was one of the easiest, fastest uh, border crossings I've ever had in 15 years of going up there. But the stipulation was <clears throat> when I got in, I had to do a two week quarantine on my property, like couldn't leave. So basically, and my South camp is on about three acres. So basically I had a three acre prison cell. Dude, they put you in the system. Uh, they, they notified the local RCMP. They came and did checks on you. Uh, you never knew what time they were going to show up just to make sure that you were where you said you were going to be for 14 days. Um, that was something. Not not very good on both the liver and the mental <laughs> to go solo. Don't recommend to anyone to ever do that. And then, you know, in <clears throat> 21, they don't announce, dude, until like, early or mid-July, I think, that they were going to open the border. And But, you know, big asterisk next to that, <clears throat> you know, you had to be vaccinated. You had to take uh, a certain kind of test to get into the country. You had to take another test to leave the country to enter back into the U.S. Uh, they made an app uh, that with a bunch with a big checklist of things that you had to, to go through and answer and then show to the border cop once you're going through customs and and that whole deal. Last year was the same and I think they lifted it on I think starting on October 1st. So halfway through our season last year they lifted it. And now here we are on the verge of starting the, the 23 fall season up there and and uh stuff's back to normal. It's like 2019 again. Right. So, what did you do for food during those two weeks? Just stock up enough? The uh I remember man I went grocery shopping in Montana I filled up my cooler, uh, took it with me, and then uh, the girls that work for me up there that cook and clean the lodge and all that stuff, they live like a half mile from there. So they were able to do grocery runs. But the thing is, dude, like they couldn't come in contact with me. So they had to like leave it on my doorstep, knock the door and run away or like leave it on the driveway or something. I could come out and get as a load of bullshit, but. <laughs> Uh, that's what we did. We were on quarantine here. Me and Michelle had been in New York City when it all the shit went to die. We were in the White House the last day. I mean, actually in the White House, and Trump was there on a Monday, let's say. And on Tuesday, we got in the car. We left Monday and we drove the next we drove to somewhere else. I can't remember where we spent the night that night at. We stayed in DC that night. Got up the next morning, we drove to New York City, and while we were in New York City, the NBA canceled their stuff. The NCAA tournament got canceled. Because I told her, I said, when they canceled the NCAA tournament, NBA, I said, shit's getting serious. Mm-hmm. Well, we were like everyone else. We didn't know what was go- what was going to happen. But we were in New York, and then we drove home. We went to Buffalo, and you were talking about the border. There wasn't a freaking soul crossing nowhere. Niagara Falls or what? Oh, okay. There wasn't 10 people at Niagara Falls. But we drove, okay. we drove home the next day. And all we kept hearing about is everybody calling and telling us, you better get toilet paper before you get home. I thought, what kind of fucking diarrhea comes with this COVID shit where everybody's running out of fucking toilet paper? And I still I still don't understand why the toilet paper was such a big deal. I, I still don't get that, dude. Like, we live, like, I don't know, five, 
six miles from an HEB, but you couldn't go in there and buy your roll. I don't even care if it was a John Wayne caliber TP. Like, you couldn't get it. It was impossible. And I still don't understand the mass hysteria that went on with toilet paper. I don't, I don't Somebody get Somebody in the toilet paper business done a damn good job. They sold five years worth of shit paper in about 10 days. But we... We did. Yeah. We stopped. And so I remember we stopped somewhere outside of St. Louis and we are not Walmart people. Michelle said, stop on the interstate that Walmart. She goes, I'm going to, she goes, I don't remember if we've got good toilet paper at home. We got that industrial strength shit at the lodge, but she goes, I don't know if we have any, she goes, I'm going to run in and get some good toilet paper. She come back out without anything. Oh, what's on? She goes, they had a fucking toilet paper. She goes, what is going on? I'm thinking shit. I don't know. People are still using that toilet paper they bought in 2020. Yeah. That ain't no shit, man. Like me and my old lady, when we finally found some, like we bought them out. You know, oh my God, don't know when we'll see TP again. We live, we had that TP stacked in our, one of our bathroom closets for months. <laughs> yeah. I, that didn't make this for a while. I felt bad when I needed toilet paper to go buy it. It was, I was, I was told the cashier, cause you know, they're judging you. I'm like, no, 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 like we're out. I, I gotta have this. I'm not stocking up. I stocked up on bulk ribeyes and stuff like that's what I stocked up on. But, you know, I look back now, and we spent, we, we for two weeks we were quarantined at our house, and I and I told the guy, I told the guy that called me, our county judge, said, listen, please don't rock the boat. Just go along with this. And so we did. We came to the lodge. Me and Andy did podcast. The kids come over to the house. I canceled school. It was the longest fucking spring break ever for kids with, you know, the kids in school, shit they got out. But, I look back now, and we actually had about two or three weeks where we didn't do nothing. Mm-hmm. If I didn't go to the lodge, I stayed home the whole time. But they said, uh, I guess Netflix is crashing now, Peloton's crashing now, because everybody did all this during COVID, and like everybody's kind of back to work. But like all of these things that people started doing with COVID have just plummeted. But they had to know that was going to happen. Well, I'm glad it was the time oh. of year it was, because it would have been miserable if it would have been in the summertime. Oh, what was that like March yeah. when yes. it really March started? and April. Yeah, and then April was like when all the shutdowns and all the shit started. You- My old lady was right here at Barbers Hill uh, School District, and I remember she came home on spring break. I had just got back from Arkansas. She gets home uh, for spring break, and spring break never <laughs> ended because she never got back. Yeah. Were you on school board then, Andy? Uh, yes. Did y'all have to make big decisions? It was a pretty simple state, told y'all. No, it was easy. Pretty well mandated what we were going to do. Well, my grandkids loved it, though. But it was just, <clears throat> and I, I, I still think Jeff kind of disagrees with me here, but Trump's going to have to answer to a lot of that stuff. No, I don't disagree with you on that. Because but- he, was the, he was the one in charge. He was the one that had the final say. Whether or not he got bad information, he was the one that had the final say. I, I, I can't disagree with that. That's the only thing that I wish he would come out and say. I wish he'd come straight out and say, listen, my advisors, Fauci, they all lied to me about this. I was told by people I trust that had been put in these positions before I even got there, and we, we, we appointed people in some places. They lied, and they told us this, this, and that, When it, and, and I apologize for that. Oh, that's all he'd have to say, and everybody go, okay, because Fauci's the bad guy on this deal. And he's going to get away scot clean, scot free, I guess, on this whole thing, huh? Nothing's going to happen. I hope his to him. ass boils in hell one day. Fauci? Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, I guess uh, my guy Kennedy wrote a book, The Real Anthony Fauci, and I need to, I need to get it on like audio books or something. I, 
I, I heard him talking about that book on the Rogan podcast. I listened to that deal, but uh, he's an interesting fellow. He's my guy. Like, Until yeah. he says something dumb, yeah. like I don't like he's he's still got the benefit of not like having a like a precise plan, and I think you'll start seeing that more and more. But like he hadn't really said anything about guns, and I know he's an environmentalist, but he's also a hunter, so. I think that's important. His problem is, is he's a fucking Democrat and it's hard to vote for Democrat because of the Senate and the house. And I don't trust the Senate and the house of the Democrats because they're so far radical left. So that that's his biggest problem. He have, if he was running as a Republican, I wouldn't have no problem voting for him. I did. Did you see where Pence finally got enough money gathered up or whatever it took that he's going to get it to be on the debate stage. Trump is going to wear his fucking square headed ass out on that. Oh. deal. I can't wait for that shit. Oh, yeah, no, that's not going to be a, a, a good, happy ending for old pants. I did see that the other day though. And I was like, man, I don't know if I would. <laughs> yeah, him not. and him and like Chris Christie. What? That's just a big, if you're sending money to Pence and Christie, send it to St. Jude's, at least get something good for your money. Cause if you're giving them money to run for president, you're wasting your fucking dime. Ron DeSantis the same way, yeah. but I'd still like to know what happens yeah. to the money when these people, like all the money, Chris Christie raises, what happens to that money? He buys donuts with it or Mike Pence. I was about to say, man, how it happens. Cause you know, it's just the people that are padding his pockets right there that are trying to push their agenda onto him, hoping he gets in office. So when their investment doesn't pan out, what happens? I'm fixing to, to look it Does up. it go back? Right. Them? I, I, no, I they don't it. ever give no fucking money back. Like most of the guys, they have a public office. So I could see like running for re-election and like if a governor throws his hat in the ring for a presidential campaign, maybe that money goes to him next time he's got to run in governor. But like a private owner or Chris Christie, he doesn't hold any office, right, anymore? No. So, like, where does that money go? Does it just sit in a, an account until 2028 when he decides to run again? Or where do, who gets that money? They probably just all use it together on insider trading. Probably. probably. Get rich. There's, a, there's an app that I follow on Twitter or a, an account I follow on Twitter, and it, it tracks what the politicians are investing in, and you can match what they do. Really? way of doing it you can you can pick your favorite politician uh crenshaw does very well uh pelosi obviously does well and uh, you can yeah. uh, you can match everything that they invest in and proportional wise yeah it's interesting how they all have none of them ever really seem to lose a whole lot of money and they always sell tried? at the right time have you tried your hand at that yet Not yet you fall yet i uh all, I got all my investments in Dogecoin, so you know, <laughs> wait, <laughs> waiting to recoup a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what the, they just uh, transfer? I just read it. What they did? They can give it back, but you know that's fucking not going to happen. Right? They, they no, they're, they're not supposed no. to use any funds for personal use, but they 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 use it they can they can wait to give it like Bernie Sanders had 12 and a half million dollars left over he just ran it to his 2020 campaign right and then he'll do something else and that's all they do and then what they do is they're paying people to work for them mm-hmm. you know like Hunter Biden's going to get $800,000 for cocaine every year or whatever it is god bless man i just figured they put it like in their bullshit foundation or whatever filter it through that way and then boom it comes right they can back also give them. it to another super pack if they want to you know damn well that that money is not going back to the people and that money is being used for lobbyists to get special gains that you want to. 
it's just thing. like the Hunter Biden artwork. That's really pretty genius of them. You know, you finger you, painting. You want you want to see me? You got to buy one of these paintings off my son, and if I can, I'll give you a million dollars. Okay, and that's legal. If you're fucking dumb enough to spend a million dollars on a painting, it's free society. It's free enterprise. Right. But it's it's a bullshit deal. Hey, speaking of drugs, when you were in college, were had they already cracked down on steroids? Oh yeah, man. I mean, we. Uh, I'm trying to think. At A and M, I know that we A and M did their test uh, every year during two days during fall camp. Uh, the NCAA would do a test, I think, during the season at some point. But the stickler was the Big Twelve test, and it was completely random. And you never knew when your name was going to get pulled. And uh, but most of the guys that were clearly juicing on the team. Every team has it, all right. And you can tell when them puffed up kids walk in the weight room, all right. But they were smart enough; they would know, you know, how long it took to get out of their system and all that shit. And they would get off that trend or eyeball dude just in time, <laughs> and they would always piss clean. Really? So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And then, man, you, it, it'd be funny, you know. They'd be off the, they'd be off the juice for like a month or two, and you could just watch them starting to wither away, <laughs> just to start drink into a small fraction of what they were, just like you know, thirty, sixty days prior. Now, did did they provide you with like supplements that you could take, like creatine and protein, or or are you on your own for like all of that stuff? Um, no, we were on our own for all of that. Really, man, the only supplements I remember getting from A&M was like freaking horse pills, dude, old salt tablets during salt two days. Salt tablets, That's, I've not heard that in years. Dude, those things are about that yeah, damn they are. big, too, man. <laughs> You'd have to break them down into pieces, but that, uh... That's really all I can remember A and M ever getting. I us. saw somebody was talking uh, yesterday on one of the sports shows. They monitor your piss now through AI, so player goes to the urinal, and I guess there used to be like a chart, like clear, you're good, and then like you know you get like down to molasses, and like we need you to drink more stuff. Now yep. AI does it for you, and you get a green light. And it gives you a light when you've produced enough of the sample. What are you you're peeing in a urinal doing this? Yes. So it's a smart urinal. It yeah, measures your piss and it and it and it uh I guess yeah. figures out the salt content of it. Yeah, I actually saw it this morning, Andy. It was uh for the Jacksonville Jaguars at every urinal of theirs, they had some deal and you piss in it in the urinal and it'll tell you like your level of hydration and and it was like, you know, Clear is good or whatever's good. Yellow, you need to drink some more water, Gatorade or something. Red, uh, the training staff is coming to see us so you can get uh, an IV or something. What the so, hell? Usually you can just tell yeah. by looking at your own piss. If that shit looks like Gatorade, you better drink more water. When I was 22, yeah. 23 years old, I went on a freaking – I used to run a lot, believe it or not. And I used to run anywhere from three to five miles a night every night. And I went on a water diet where I was trying to drink four gallons of water a day. Let me tell you, all I did was pee every 15 minutes for about a week straight. Yeah. That was the dumbest <laughs> shit I've ever done. Jeff, how long ago was this you were you were running? Uh, 30 late, years ago. Late 80s? 30, no, yeah, late 80s. Late yeah. 80s, early 90s? Yeah. I figured he was like running with gum. No, <laughs> no, I wish I would have. 
I saw a lady recently died. She drank too much water. She had four bottles, four bottles of water in 20 minutes. Keeled over. No shit. Yep. Water toxicity. Yeah. She lived in Indiana. Never heard of that before. Yeah. Um, yeah, must have, but she, uh, I guess your the, the sodium content in your blood gets too low because you've got too much water going through it. And she did. She killed right over four four bottles of water in 20 minutes. Too much. Well, my thought was back then, and I wish I still had that same mentality. As long as you run three miles a night, you can eat whatever the fuck you want. You ain't going to gain a weight at all. I don't give a shit who you are. If you run three miles a night, you can eat cheesecake ten times a day, and you ain't going to gain weight if you run three miles a day. Don't you don't know about that, Andy? <laughs> that same way during the season, man. Especially like when I was going and hunting every day. I mean, it's like always kind of compared it to the guys you would see on uh, Deadliest Catch yeah. or whatever. You know, those go out there, fight the elements, reel in them crab pots. It's like negative 100 degrees outside, and they come in, and like that cook on that boat would have this plate just piled up of nothing but grease <laughs> and fat, several thousand calories at one sitting, and them dudes are all about that big yeah. around, right? Whatever the hell they want. That's, that's how I used to be, but now that I'm 37 years old, dude, my metabolism has started to slow a little bit from when I started guiding, and I, I can't eat whatever the hell I want. Anymore. My guides here ain't none of them get skinnier during hunting season, but I think it's because they eat. I lose. Weight. I think it's I they eat 20 chocolate chip cookies a day. I lose muscle mass, Jeff. Do you? Yeah. Well, you don't work as hard as they do, though. I what? <laughs> I oh. do point. Is Andy is are you a cherry picker on the hunt? No, Andy's a team player when it comes to that. He is. He don't. He don't. I actually don't have anybody that politics on fields with me anymore. Danny O'Dell was the worst fucking one ever about that shit. I've gotten to the point. I like to lead by example, so I'm okay with going to the gar hole. Now I don't want to do it every day, but I, I never no. want to be. I never want that to come up in conversation. Of well, Andy just goes to the honey pot. No, we, we, we're we're yeah. really good about moving that around. I mean, if we have a day that we know is going to be tough for someone, we do about politics all the time. You've been here for two days already. You've shot had two great hunts. Your third day, you might get the bad spot. And now, sometimes I, you don't. I oh, will yeah. leave my fucking waiters in my pickup whenever that chance comes up. I will be that guy. Blake yeah. just leaves his in Nebraska. He don't even bring them. <laughs> yeah, we, one guy just didn't even bring them to Texas. Every year he's, oh, shit, I forgot them. Darn the luck. Well, we've, That's how I to alberta like we don't shoot potholes much in the afternoon for ducks like last year i think we did it four or five times i can remember off the top of my head but bub i don't even bring waiters to alberta i leave them at the house and i'd make them other guys go do it i'm good on that there's no there's no part of that that's fun at all but no andy's Uh, really good about that i haven't had a guy in a long time that used to that tried to always you know politic me and tell me where he needed to hunt and they're pretty good about that stuff. We work as a team real well. Jeff, did you ever have the guy that was like, oh, man, these guys right here, they're this, that, and the other. We really got to get them in on Danny O'Dell one. used to do that shit to me. Back when the hunting was <laughs> was really, really good every day anyways, Jeff, these are the kind of guys we need to get on a good hunt. You show me the guys we don't need to have a good hunt on. That's what I want to know. You know, Show me them guys because every group you have is the kind of guys we need to get on a good hunt. Well, you shot a limit today, an hour and fifteen minutes. What's you know? But he was he he was the world's worst about trying to get the spot every day. 
Matt Sullivan just lied about what he saw scouting, and that's how he got the results every day. Oh, yeah, he he would do the down what like downplay or just like straight up lie, oh, like flat, oh man, flat oh. ass fucking lied to me. He burned my ass one time. I'll never forget this. We had a field down by rule that was by itself down there. We're shooting Rule's birds thirty miles away, yeah, thirty minutes away from the lot. We're shooting a lot of birds okay. everywhere, anyways, and I was like. Go down there and see if there's birds on that little field down there. There's a little peanut field, about 60 acres. I said, see if there's any mm-hmm. birds there. We had five or six groups that day. So he comes in from scouting, and he's like, there's two or 300 birds on it probably. He said, but I'll go down there if you want me to. He'd had guys here for two or three days. They'd shot a limit every morning. And so I sent some guys to the wheat, and I moved around. Well, Matt shot 55 birds in about 27 minutes or some shit, or a great, great, great shoot was guys come in to settle up, and the guy tells me, he said, man, I sure want to thank you so much for letting us hunt that field. When we saw all them birds on that field last night, we never thought we'd be the ones to get a hunt down there. I go, oh, was it covered up? That guy said the whole 60 acres was just full of geese. We just we just knew that someone else would get a hunt there but since we'd had such two great hunts. Well, I sent a group up to the wheat that was new group here, on a, and they had a decent hunt. They didn't have nothing like that. But the re- I was pissed because Matt lied to me. Oh, I was fucking hot. New in business, too, though. Like, that was one of Jeff's second or third years. Yeah, the the shit that I let guys get by then, I wouldn't have done it with. And Matt was a great guy. He was a great hunter. And if Matt would have been the kid he is today and come to work for me now, Matt wouldn't have been that way because I wouldn't let him get by with that shit. He would have just been real funny and very talented because he was (laughs) a very talented hunter. Those Sullivans, I've I've heard that name before. There were Matt Matt and Brian and both worked here. Both were very, very good hunters. Both still are really good hunters. So I, uh, one of my very good clients who he's, he's, uh, he's not here with us anymore. Tommy passed away in 2019, but he always spoke high on the Sullivans and how they were uh, to hunt with. And I don't know. And he hunted with them down in Texas. Now the Sullivans, they work for y'all, but they also work for they another went to, outfit. They too, went to right? Webfoot after that and they worked down here about two years and then they all went their own ways. But, That's right. Hey, it's, Webfoot, was it owned by a fellow by the name of uh, Smokey? Yeah, he's no longer with us either. Was that the fellow? Did he try to shoot himself? Oh, he didn't, himself he didn't try. He did. He did shoot himself. Tried to kill himself, and didn't. that did not work out. Yeah. I don't want to say nothing about dead people, but that's the worst fucking guy that ever worked for us. Mac? Oh, oh fuck yeah. Everyone that worked at Webfoot did. But oh. uh, There was a coup d'etat. Yeah. And best thing ever happened to us. But... uh. Matt and Brian were part of that, but they were both very, very talented hunters. Very talented. It's funny. Brian always bitches about the flat build, young guides, pro staff guys, blah, blah, blah. He was exactly all of that, except he didn't have a flat bill hat. Everything he bitches about was him when he was 23 years old, 24. Same thing. Well, he would have been guy in this day and age. Then he probably would have a mullet, a mustache and a flat. He might've had a mullet when he first went to work for us, but he would have had all, but everything he, everything he bitches about is exactly what he he was the same that same guy. He had all the endorsements, he had everything. We just didn't have the internet and the flash to go around it. But it was to Brian's defense, it was a lot harder to come by those endorsements. Yes, you had was, to have some skin in the game and a little bit of yeah, and he had that knowledge. His his daddy was a mouth caller. I think his daddy might have been a world champion, but he was his he grew up around Tim Grounds and all them guys. But the, the Sullivan boys are damn good hunters, very good hunters. And uh, Matt was – Matt. Are they from, do what? from that part of the 
Are they from? Yeah, Illinois? Southern Illinois, Cape Girardeau, Missouri area. But uh, oh. but br- br- Matt's the funniest son of a bitch I think that ever worked for me. Yes. I mean, just ho- funny as hell. One time he uh, he kind of cut corners a bunch. He was kind of lazy, but he come in the office. Great worker. Come in the Not office. Lazy lied. Come in the office one time and he goes, "Hey, did those guys leave me a tip?" <laughs> Matt had got sideways with this group of guys. His thing was, if he shot a limit of birds, he thought he was going to get a tip, no matter if he was an asshole or not to him. And I said, they didn't leave me nothing. So they were driving off. Matt's running through the parking lot. Hey, hey, did you forget to give Jeff your, uh, did you give Jeff my tip? And they just kept driving on down the fucking road. <laughs> but if I had a group of young guys, he was really good with them. Yeah. But if it was older professional guys, he did not do a very good job. He did a good job hunting. He just didn't. Like when he went to work for the other place one time, he, he told the guys he left. He only put out seven decoys or something one morning. And he told him, he said, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the car and get my calls. Went back to the truck, crawled in there and went to sleep and woke up about 11 o'clock and the people were gone. <laughs> I would kill a guy if he worked for me and did that shit. Wow. Did you fire him on the no, spot? No, no, he was, he was working somewhere else then. I didn't give a shit what he did then. Oh, but that's the kind of stuff, but, but, Uber talented. Um, both of them could call real well. I think they both were on one of the world championship team calling with Tim. I know Brian was. I don't know about Matt. Yeah, Brian's on the actual half breed. If you bought the cassette years ago and learned how to blow a half breed call, then Brian Brian yeah. was on there with Tim. Yep. Really? Yeah, they're super talented. I, well, I never heard anybody blow a goose call like Matt Brian did until Brian went to work for us. I went with Brian on his first hunt and he <laughs> I was like, motherfucker, you can actually make real sounds out of that son of a bitch. You know, that's what Tommy Bruton always said about them boys, too, is that they were damn, like, the, you know, the better Canada goose callers and hunters that he had ever hunted with. And that's saying something, man, because he hunted with John a bunch, and I always thought John was, for me, you know, all the people I've got to hunt with through the years or whatever. Just whenever it came to lesser specifically, always kind of put John at the top of that totem pole. That's for me, though. Did, were you always pissed off at Speckle Bellies, or is this something that you found after, like, once you started your professional guiding career? Yeah, more, well, you know, I was, I'm, I'm from Belleville, Texas, originally, so just north of Sealy, where the prairie kind of started, and where all the, the specks and snows used to go. I hunted them uh, very few times as a child growing up. Didn't really start to get into it until I was in college, and then later on in my guiding career, but... Uh, yeah, man, it was just, and it, it was before it really got cool. You know, now spec hunting, especially in the state of Arkansas, is a huge damn deal. I mean, get online, and it'll take you about five seconds to figure that out. But uh, it was just something to work with, man. They uh, they responded well to calling. Uh, you didn't have to be sitting exactly on the X to get that bird to do something. Uh, I grew up hunting mallards as a kid, and, uh, you know, you can talk to that mallard to get him to do something that maybe doesn't want to want to do. You can get it, you know, you can run traffic on them, and it's the same thing with specs, and I enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of fun figuring that bird out, and now I take, uh, take pride in hunting them, especially down in Arkansas, where it is so heavily pressured. I mean, shooting them in, in Alberta is great. I, I love it up there, but there's a little something extra to it when when I'm hunting in the middle of all that pressure, you know? 
and we're consistently getting that bird because where we're at in Arkansas now, I think that you would be hard pressed to find an area with with more spec, with more you know people hunting that bird than anywhere else. It's it's incredible the transition that's happened in our part of Arkansas. You know, with the decline of duck hunting, uh, goose numbers growing every year. There's just more and more goose guys popping up every season. Yeah, I think with the with the spec explosion, the population. I mean, they're everywhere now. I think I think a yeah. lot of guys are going to start transitioning more, or not transitioning to, but definitely uh, adding spec hunting to their arsenal. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, uh, in regards to the pressure on the birds, and you know, I mean, because like guys. Up north, Indiana, Illinois, everybody's talking about seeing specs now. Oh yeah, they're getting them. They're showing up in places they used to used to never be, you know. And with them not going uh, to, to you know to my part of Texas anymore, to the coastal prairie anymore. You know, Louisiana's dead there. You know, between the sugar cane and the crawfish ponds, that did a lot for for their geese and, and cause this movement. Uh, yeah, it's something. And, and there's a lot of opportunity with speckled bellies that maybe you can't get with other geese. And that being the fact that we already touched on, like, you know, you don't have to be on the X to shoot this goose. I mean, you can be on a, you know, a flight line or just off a little bit, but if, if you have some, uh, some decoys and you're proficient on the call, you can talk them into doing stuff and they're a cool bird, man. They talk back to you. There's nothing prettier. I think than on a, a nice, pretty sunlit hunt and watching that bird circle and kick them feet out. Those specs almost show up neon in daylight. It is, it's pretty damn neat, man. And then, and then after you shoot the goose, it's hard to find something that tastes better on the table in the waterfowl world than, than that speckle belly right there. How are you preparing it? What do you like to do? I mean, you, you can do whatever you want, but I mean, my favorite way was always to either pluck the bird whole and blow roll it on a pit or pot roast it, or, you know, pluck the breast, fillet the meat out with the skin still on, uh, marinate it for just a little while and then uh, put it on the grill, man. And, uh, you know, don't cook it a second pass, medium rare, slice it thin, and eat it just like you would a steak. It's good stuff. That's the way I did it last year. There were there were a couple birds. I plucked the breast, just cut the breast out. I'm, I don't have a whole lot of time, you know, to babysit a bird or anything. And I just pan-seared it, got my cast iron hot, cooked it skin side down until yeah. that shit was, till the skin was crispy enough flipped it over. I mean, it already cooked most of the way through, flipped it over for just right. a second, got some color on the bottom side, served it. Pull it. A lot That's of butter. It's like a fucking yeah. steak. Dude, between them and teal, those are probably my two most favorite. That's like a one, a one B for me right there. Yes. But yeah, they're, they're, do you, uh, we eat a lot of dove out here. Cause if we'll afternoon hunt, I like dove too. But oh, it's yeah. kind of the same as a teal. Oh, yeah. Dude, I haven't been dove hunting, what, and this will be my 15th year I haven't gone, I guess, ever since I uh, started guiding. You know, I mean, 
started in Saskatchewan. Now we have this stuff in Alberta, and then I'm in I'm in Arkansas immediately after that. It just dove hunting was fun, man. I mean, it's I'm not telling y'all nothing, but it's a, a big social gathering event, you know, and with some shooting on the side. It's just it's it's a cool deal. And now with the whole so like my last years to last couple of years to dove hunt when I was in college, that was like right when the Dove Mojo was coming oh, yeah. out. And I remember a you know, broke-ass college kid, right? Scrape all my money together, walk into academy there in College Station, go buy one of these things for like 30 bucks. And I remember going out in the field for the first time, feeling like an idiot. You just put that old decoy out there about 20 yards in front of you. And I remember watching these Dove, we are hunting this big field. Like, they weren't remotely in the ballpark. And they would completely do an about face and not just like fly over you, but decoy next <laughs> to that spinner. Shoot them like you were shooting ducks. It was awesome. Yeah. And they're, they're, what's, Are they still as effective? Yeah, and it's, it's effective because the birds don't live very long. I mean, you know, the average lifespan on a dove is probably less than a year. I think, I think 15 months. So, I mean, the odds of it seeing too many spinners aren't that high. Two seasons out of it. They're not going to get decoy shy. No, but it's just no. nature of the way. I mean, it's just the way that they're built. They don't live very long. They don't live long enough to pass those genes on. People that live in a lot, well, a lot of places you can't even dove hunt. They don't realize how fun the dove hunting is when it's, when it's good. It's great. And they just don't get it. Oh. But, but the decoying aspect of it, what's good is we can sit out here when we grill and the customers will take them and we get birds that fly over. We got a field south of here, a couple of miles that a bunch of birds go to and they stay on the river. So they fly over the lodge pretty high every night going back and forth. And they will just break down to those freaking spinners just like decoy, like ducks or geese. I mean, they just they circle right around and come in. Year and a half is their average lifespan. Is their lifespan. So 18 months. But. It's a, it's a fun deal, but the decoys make – them lucky duck spinners make all the difference in the world. You need to go try them out. And I tell people that. I've got guys that show up now with full rigs. They'll yeah. have they'll have 25 spinners. You ever see the guy like with uh, – I don't know. Do they even make dove full body yes. decoys like a line or a tree? That, the dude shows up with like multiple spinners and I'll, all that. Do you I've see got guys that? that have a whole spread. I mean, they'll have a – they'll have <laughs> – They'll have 50, 60 decoys out. And I'm Come telling you, and they'll park their trucks, three or four guys, and they sit on the tail. It's a good time. We had a guy bring a tree one time. Yeah, bring a tree. He manufactured a tree and, like, stuck it out there, and he had, like, two dozen of those dove decoys that don't move and, like, seven or eight of the spinners, and he had a whole setup. Everybody oh. laughs until he keeps shooting all the time. And <laughs> yeah, until he's the one. I was about to say, it was a black hole, man, sucking them in. Yeah, and they, and they do. But I, I tell guys that all the time. When I was a kid, we had a neighbor guy, and he used to have a dove decoy that he put on a fishing line, and he would throw it up in a tr- throw it up over the power line, and then he would pull it down until the dec- the decoy would stand up. And he'd do two or three of them. He have some Mozepco thirty threes or whatever it was. He'd have three or four doves on the lines by him. He was he was cutting edge and didn't even know it. God, Jesus, poor fellow just out on making a buck or yeah, two. Yeah, no do shit, it. right? So do you think that there will ever be a time where you're, I mean, not too excited about this way of life? I mean, it's a grind, man. And you're starting mid-August. It, yeah, I mean, it hasn't happened to me yet, man. And I actually tell people all the time, I mean, and let's keep the conservation order of Arkansas out of it because I, I just can't stand it anymore. But uh, 
from September until the end of January, dude, I still have a lot of fire. I mean, I almost think it's more now than it ever used to be. And, and for me anymore, I don't know if this is a age experience thing. I, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's, <clears throat> I, it's not about the pile. It's not about the kill. Actually, for me, the pulling of the trigger is anticlimactic anymore. Uh, for me, it is tricking that bird. It is getting that bird to decoy, uh, providing my uh, guests in the blind, you know, like nice decoying shots and just letting them see stuff that uh, they've maybe never seen before uh, or, or got to experience. That is what keeps me going. That deal right there. I could give a shit about honored or whatever, but man, like I'd rather go out if all I killed was 20 birds, but every single one of those birds I shot was right there over the decoys, pretty shots. And, uh, that that's all I need anymore. Just to, to keep that fire lit and, and to keep me going and driven for the, for the next hunt. Yeah. Cause I'm, I, it's not that I don't, I enjoy what I'm doing now. Like I, I enjoy with the podcast kind of taking off to what it is doing. And then my role with that, I'm enjoying that when hunting season gets here, I'll be, I'll be ready to go. But it's like, I'm not in a hurry for it. Like I used to be when I was a kid, like it'll get here. Plus I've got a family, a young family now. So I enjoy spending time with them. So I don't know. I'm in a weird space. I love it when it's Any here, help. but I'm not in a hurry for it. How old 35. Okay, so we're not far. I'm 37, and uh, Jeff will know what I'm talking about. But, man, you know, I've, I've always heard, uh, you know, the older you get, the faster time goes. Yeah. Boy, and that's I remember, true. I remember, like, when I would get home, like when I first started getting, when I would get home, and like in March, and, dude, September 1st was like forever away. The off season just crawled. It was awful. And now, dude, it's like I get home, it's mid-March, and I wake up and here I am. I'm I'm leaving here this weekend. Like I'm I'm getting out the door and I'm heading north already. And it's it's the off season uh is over and done with in the blink of an eye anymore. And then I'll tell you this on the season part too, man. Like I'm sitting there looking at my calendar. And all the people that are coming and stuff, I'm like, good lord, man, that's that's a long, grueling deal we're about to go through. And then I think you just get so busy, you get in a rhythm and in that routine of of work. Uh, dude, that's a blur now too. Yeah. Like it, it's just it's constantly rolling right past you. For me, anyway. no, it is for me too. And like even hunting <clears throat> season goes by in a, in a hurry. I can remember when I was a kid, it felt like hunting season was like six months out of the year. I felt like half of the year we were hunting and, and we kind of are with dove season and everything, but like waterfowl season felt like it was forever. And now you get to December and you're like, well, I mean, we kind of got, cause we start kind of slowing down mid January. You're like, I got six weeks left of really balls mm -hmm. to the walls. And then the last two weeks, you know, it's, it's a little slower, but remember yeah. dad. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, it's like a little kid at Christmas time. Can't wait for it to get here. And it's over. We're all dragging ass the last week of January. And dad's all pouting. God yeah. damn, it's over. But it is. But And I enjoy I enjoy the anticipation of it all a little bit more. Like August has become oh. one of my favorite months because everything's kind of, you know, you're getting ready. And uh, I used to hate August. I'd be like, get this fucking month over with. But now I've come to enjoy it more because 
I guess I take, I guess I uh, try to slow down a little bit because I know my life is about to get, get hectic. So I try to enjoy my family a little bit more. I try to put a little bit more into, put a little bit more work into the podcast because that kind of gets neglected, but I don't know. I'm just in a weird, weird spot. Do you slow down in the season? Like for your podcast, well, like the clips and stuff that I, I try to do, I try to do more like minute long clips during this time of year, and that pretty well becomes non existent. No podcasts, no, we still do three a week during the season. Sometimes we do four because we do a football bonus pick a lot of times. But like all the extra stuff that I do with the podcast, I, I just I don't have the manpower to do. Luckily, AI, so this is going to put a lot of people out of business. But you can you can input a YouTube video, a long form YouTube video into AI now, and it'll spit back 10 or 15 clips. So there's going to be a no. lot of video editors that are out of work here in the next couple of years as this. Oh. And it's good too. Like it'll add the captions and everything to it. It'll add cuts. It'll take out pauses. It'll take out ums. Like it's legit. So, so apparently you get around with it a little bit. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting into AI a little bit more just because it's, it's convenient. I don't know what it's going to do. Like, I might be the first one that Terminator comes to kill because I've been dicking with it, but... Hey, all got to pay a cost. Right now, it's convenient, though. Time does go by. <clears throat> the older you get, the quicker it goes, and it's hard for people to understand that. I mean, but yeah. but that's the way it is. I mean, when you was a kid growing up, it was it was the seasons. It was school. Couldn't wait for school to get out. Then it was race summer. Then summer went by, and then... Couldn't wait to lose your virginity, and it was this or that. I mean, you always had something you look forward to. When you get older, you've accomplished everything, so it's just it just goes fast. I mean, yeah, it, you know, I mean, I'm guiding that long, and this will be my fifteenth season, okay. But I mean, just from my first year to like this year, there's been that huge change in how fast it all goes. It's it's wild, man. And then it'll be done with before you know it too. I'll be back home. It'll be March and whatever. So. You fish a lot though during the off season, though, right? Like. I, this year, I did not fish that much. I live right here on the north side of Galveston Bay, uh, and Trinity Bay is where, where I live. I'm east of Houston, and uh, I do fish quite a bit when I get home. But this year, not not so much. I have a new dog coming up. Uh, I travel a lot across the country this year, campaigning them in uh, field trials uh, in the Derby Stakes, the minor stakes. He's under two. and We had a hell of a run, man. Uh it was good. We won one. Uh, we got three seconds, a fourth, a third, a bunch of jams. So he's, uh, I am lucky to have the dog for real. It's uh, been a fun ride this year. This will tell you how much I've been on the road. I bought a truck, a new truck, the second week of May, and I just turned over 18,000 miles on it yesterday. Holy shit. My truck's yeah. two years old and it's only got like 20 on it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I baby it, though. I've got a work truck that I, I put all my oh. bad miles into. So, like, this one, that's my Saturday night truck. Uh-oh, well, yeah, that's your old Sunday driver. <laughs> I'm not big time enough to have that, man. I'm just a poor old goose guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I've still, got, I've still got the 08 Dodge that, uh, you yeah. know, fucking, I'm, I'm, every time, every morning it cranks up, and I'm like, all right, another another day down that this thing's not a pile of shit. Still go. Still going. Last year, uh, I had a little bit of trouble with it. the 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 drive shaft broke in half, so you know, put a couple grand in it this year, and she's back and running again. Well, you can fix them for a lot more than you can just buy one, especially today, man. Yes, yeah, that's uh, that's a 
conversation that I've had to have several times with my wife. Where did you find this dog? Was it uh, was it a customer? Or have you been scoping this uh, this line out? No. So with the last dog I had, Sam, Sam was my first dog. Uh, and when I got him, um, I realized that he had a lot more potential in him than just to be some old meat dog. And so I wanted to pursue the dog games with him a little bit. You know, there's hunt tests, there's field trials. And I got in with the field trial guy and I tried it out and uh, ran all over the country campaigning the dog. We got Sam qualified all age. Um, and I met a bunch of folks doing that. Well, when Sam died, one of the guys I met along the way when we were doing all that stuff uh, told me about a litter that wasn't but just a few hours from my house uh, right right down the road in Angleton, Texas there. And, and uh, I was actually in the middle of Wyoming. I was driving up to Alberta. <clears throat> this would have been in 21. And uh, I look at the, I look at the breeding online and dude, I, Sam had only been dead for like two or three weeks, not long. And I called that breeder and literally, man, the first thing, the first words out of my, out of my mouth, Danny was, I don't even know why I'm calling you. Like, I don't even know why, why I'm doing this, but you know, such and such told me about this breeding. I'm not there right now. And, uh, Amber went and looked at him and there was only three pups in the litter. The breeder was keeping one. So we only had two to choose from and she's, <laughs> filming and what do you think and you know how choosing a puppy goes i mean you might as well just close your eyes and go eeny meeny miny mo and grab one and uh there was one wild ass pup out of the two that i liked so we got it and uh she kept him until i got back from alberta and then i got him and he was like the mascot of goosebusters <laughs> dude he would just you know, living in Goose Camp, riding around, going scouting with me. He'd be out there when we were setting or picking up decoys. I mean, whatever. And then uh, handed him off to a, a field trial pro by the name of Christian Alt, uh, who uh, done a fine job with the dog. And, and yeah, man, he's just – he's advanced well. And uh, he's going to be a, a nice one to hunt over when that time comes. But I'll tell you this. You get in the field trial game, and especially when you have one that can do it, it's wildly addictive. Really? It is very, very addicting. You know, you always hear people, and it's mostly the people that don't know shit about dogs. They'll be like, well, them field trial dogs are this, that, and the other, and they're trying to throw shade on it. Let me tell you something, man. The, the field trial game, I'm talking about field trials, all right? Not, not, and people get confused between the two just because they don't know, but uh, field trials and hunt tests, they are, they are different. And a dog that can do the field trial stuff uh, can easily do the hunting stuff. That is like the major leagues of the retriever world. And to watch those dogs do that do those things, especially in the all-age stakes and the opens and the amateurs. It is impressive, man. And it gives you that much more of an appreciation for that breed. It's pretty special to watch. Yeah, we had a guy on yesterday, and he was talking about how the hunt test, you know, it's kind of, it, it, it's more geared to like, how, how did he put it? Um, 
like normal people felt like they could uh, have a chance because it's just pass fail, right? There's no places in the hunt tests. Correct. And there's both UKC and AKC hunt tests. And yeah, so they judge to a standard. Right. Okay. Right. And so I am with my first dog, after we got him qualified all agent field trials, I tried out the hunt test stuff. And we got his master hunter title, and I did it. We traveled all over the country doing that, met a lot of great people. But the thing, and you know my background. I come from a competitive background. So when my dog would pass the standard and, like, say he did really well on all three series, and then you got this other fella over here whose dog barely got by the skin of his teeth. And that dog gets the same ribbon. And then that dog does it enough and gets the same master hunter title that my dog has. It's, I don't know. But what I, what I do the hunt test stuff again, I don't, I don't think so. And that's, I'm not in any way trying to bash uh, the hunt test game. Uh, I met a lot of great folks in it and had, had a fun time doing it. I just, I, me personally, I prefer the field trial stuff. What are the standards? I've never done any of these. So I mean, is it, is it fairly basic or or are they stretching them? Uh, Now the standard now, keep in mind, this has been over a decade since I ran my last, Master Hunter Steak, but it's three series, one land, one water, one land, water. Uh, you have to honor at least once. Uh, there will be a diversion bird thrown. So hold on, let me back up. Honoring is when, you know, the the competing dog is up on the line and then you are, and then you're just off to the side and your dog has to sit still while the marks are thrown. And then the the competition dog is released and then the judges will release the, the honor dog. So you have to do that once. A diversion bird, which is shot in route back to the line, either with the mark or the blind already picked up. Uh, there will be a walk-up bird, which is when you're walking up to the line for the test. We'll shoot some little dink thing, try to get your dog to break. You got to go pick that deal up. And then basically, Andy, it's um, picking up the marks and Master Hunter. I think they allow you one handle in the three series and they'll they'll continue to carry you. Uh, so your dog has to be a competent marker. And then, you know, you just have to challenge the blinds that the, that the judges do. You know, minimal cash refusals um, and that sort of thing. But that's the standard. And you know, it's just like your standard would be different than my standard. That would be different from Jeff's. It's all in the eyes of the beholder, how you look at it. That's just judging. But in a nutshell, that's how the master hunter stuff. So how does the, how's the field trial different from that? So field trials are different because they give out placements. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a first, second, third, fourth, there's a reserve jam that's given out, which is basically a fifth place. And then there's jams given out, which is, which stands for Judge's Award of Merit, which is basically your dog was good enough that picked up all the birds. Uh, if you're running qualifying amateur or open stakes, it, it did the blind sufficient enough to be carried all the way through four series, but it wasn't good enough for a placement. And you're placed 
according to how the rest of the, of the dogs is doing. So you're just you're judged against your competition against the other dogs that are in your flight that day. That's how she. And goes. then what is it? Is it based off of like time? Is it based off of how flawlessly your dog did it? Like how does the judge just pick? <clears throat> oh, that's the one. No, that one's second. Well, you know, style has something to do with that, and style is a broad thing. I mean, like in the water, did your dog stay in the water? Did it cheat? Did it get, like on a blind, did it get on that point and then back off that point and back into the water and swim across that channel? Uh, Did it stay, you know, say if a bird is thrown, you know, left to right, did that bird, did the dog put on a smart, intelligent hunt and stay front side of the gunner? Or did it backside hook and, and come back in? How big was the hunt? I mean, there's a lot of variables to that. And, to, and not all judges are the same, man. Like, we ran several derbies this year. And every set of judges looks at stuff different. You would swear some of them had never read the rule book and, and looked at um, how, they, how they should view the dogs and how they should judge. But... Uh, it's fun. It's it's a it's a hell of a time, man. It really is. It, anybody that has a love for these dogs, I can't I can't uh, stress it enough that a, a good time to kill some time, I guess, during the off season is to get into the dog game stuff, be it hunt tests, field trials, whatever. How, it's it's. I mean, and it keeps. What's how many that? derby points you get this year? Seventeen. That's a good year. What's that? Oh, it's all on list right now. Yeah, so uh, do you see him? No, but I I used to have a uh, – my dad did all this, so I used to be. But 17 derby points was a bunch a long time ago. What's the – is there a dog with 100 derby points or 50 to 100? What's the number one dog on the derby list? Do you know? Uh, the current, current top dog is owned by uh, Mitch and Linda Patterson uh, out of Illinois. Uh, great people, by the way. They have a dog, female, black female, by the name of Riz – and Riz ended her derby career back in mid-July, I think. And she ended with 80 points. That's a hell of a year. A hell of a year. That dog was – I we got I got to watch Riz run a lot this year uh, competing against her. And she is a very special animal. There's, there's three dogs I could tell you. I could name you off the top of my head. Uh, her being one of them – that when it comes to the all-age stakes, they're really going to be something to watch, and they're going to give people fits for for a long, long time. But, but man, I don't care if it's my dog or their dog. I just like watching good dogs work and do their thing, be it in a field trial, a hunt test, or out there in the goose field. I mean, watching a a good dog work, is uh, it just adds to everything, man. It it really does. Do you have to have 10 points to be a field champion? Uh, Jeff, I'd be lying to you on the, on the all age stuff. I, I, I think an AFC is 10 and an FC is 15. Both of those include a win. I might have that flip flopped on the point totals. I'm not sure, but like in the Derby stakes, so we just got done running. You have to have 10 points to get on the national Derby list. So like, I don't know. What's your dog's name? Uh, his call name is Doc. His registered name is NPO's Drunk Music Lover. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why do Ron did that with all his dogs? It was like fancy something, something or another. And it's like, 
Well, my my that register name I come up with is just a spinoff old tombstone. Oh, yeah. Maybe in the streets when they're sitting there. Yeah, yeah. I never know. I never know how these. Do you still are. probably not even on the right? Do you take the Retriever News? Do they still have that? Oh yeah, man, I get it. Everyone. So Doc was in the last one, and they hadn't updated it. Uh, but on the last list, they showed his uh, thirteen points. And he was like in the twenties. So when the next one comes out, Doc should be the in the top fifteen uh, dogs under the age of two in the country. We used to, I used to have a stacks and stacks of old Retriever trial news from the eighties. Mm-hmm. Stacks of them. Oh, yeah, really? I like to find. I wish That's I knew where those cool. were all at. Yeah. yeah. See, like it yeah. says, it's twenty twenty three, but it's also telling me like it's February. It only go. It's only good for like February of twenty two. So I don't know. What's that? I'm on Retriever News, but it it says 2023 high point derby list, but it says points are only from January to December 31st of 22. So it, I can't find this year's. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Google gives me fits. Anytime I try to find something like this on the spot, it never works out for me ever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know if you could look at that because I know Retriever News, you know, obviously that's a subscription based deal. I don't I don't know if you can find the derby list just by Googling, Googling it. it, but maybe if you Googled twenty twenty three national derby list, maybe that would bring it up. But And then of course you get uh, the fucking Kentucky Derby and Never, never yeah. works. That's a different level of money. Yeah, no shit, right? Oh, yeah, I'm looking I'm oh, looking there. It's like tens oh. of millions of dollars on some of these stud horses. Are you worried at all whenever you have this dog that is an athlete? Are you worried about him picking up any bad habits, like just doing it seven days a week in a goose blind? Well, I mean, I think back is I think the I think the really good ones, the strong ones, and and when I mean that, I mean the ones that have it up here too, yeah. and that know the difference between the two is that I think you can put them in those different scenarios, and they they can differentiate. Like they oh, know right, the right, difference. Right. Uh, and yes, hunting will erode training, but a dog with good intelligence, uh, it, it's not going to take long to get them back on track. Like, dude, my dog, uh, my last one, Sam, I mean, he, before he really started even uh, formal training for field trials, he picked up 1,500 birds in Saskatchewan because I took him on every single afternoon duck hunt I did for Frontline. I mean, it, and then he still was able to transition and be competitive in the field trial game. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely a deal. And let's face it, man, I don't care what kind of training or how much money you spend in the dog or time, effort, whatever. In the end, I mean, we got these things to hunt right. with. So I've been a dog a disservice not to take him out there in the goose field or out on the duck walk. There's, I'm just looking up right now, and there's still true mark dogs out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I ran against uh, a good one this year that the care zone uh, out of true mark scallywag. But, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> when I was a kid, that was the dogs. That was the one? Yeah, yeah I hunted with Cody. He won. He was a national field champion. Just a different animal? Just a workhorse? Tree horse dog. I also hunted rough and ready, and he was a big old dog like Lou. Jeff doesn't. Jeff doesn't get. Jeff doesn't. He doesn't give you very much with this kind of stuff. What do you mean? Just another animal. Well, I mean, it, it was thoroughbred. Jeff, the thoroughbred. Well, a hunting dog and a field trial dog, an open all age field champion dog, are two different dogs. 
Well, I mean, I'm yes. just I'm telling you right now from someone that actually got to hunt with a national field champion, the dog, the top dog of the country. It's different than being. I mean, they're good dogs. They're well behaved. They do everything. It's just a different animal. Explain. Well, and it's experience too, right? Like even that that like you could take that national field champion or whatever, like you're talking about. You could take a real title dog and a meat dog out on this just a regular old meat dog that's never been on a pros truck or nothing like that but has picked up thousands of birds you can take them on the same hunt and that meat dog might outshine that field champion just from an experience standpoint but if you get that field champion out there on enough hunts i think that the cream will rise to the top eventually but a dog with that much training he spent most of his life, almost all of it, on on a pro's truck somewhere. So, I mean, he he hasn't been in the field enough to know. And it, it takes some experience level on that, for they're sure. They're just, they're different animals. They are, uh, they're hybrid, they're field trial dogs. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're used to being in a kennel, a truck, get out, do their work. Mo- most Robots. of them are not pets. Some are, but most of them are not a pet. Most of them are working dogs. And that's, it's an investment for some people. And, uh. But I would rather hunt with Lou than I would most field champions because Lou's a hunting dog. If I was going to a field right. trial, I would want you to keep Lou in the truck and <laughs> let them run the field trial here. dog. Because that, <laughs> but Lou's a great dog, but Lou couldn't run an open series. No. It's not used oh. to it. You know, 600-yard blinds and water deal. And, yep. I mean, just it's just two different – it's a whole different level. I'm – that's right. The 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 episode of the first family of waterfowl we got coming out uh, Thursday. I'm gonna get crucified by a lot of dog people because I I let he is a dog. Break. He is good yeah. for what he does. He is great for what yeah. he does. You know, we get a big rain out. I don't have to. I don't have to hammer on him. I can just let him do his thing. But I guarantee you, yeah. it's gonna wear people out with like just the way that I kind of do things just cause I don't, I'm not heavy handed on him. Like he's smart enough. He can do his, what, what, what he do though? Did he break? No, 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 is he no, vocal? No, no. What well, he is, he is vocal, but that's not on the, on the show. But I just, I, I just let him like, if we get a big rain out, it's just back Lou, back Lou, back. I don't line them up and all this other stuff. I line them up a couple times, but most of the time, yeah. if it's in the decoys, he doesn't need me. No, he doesn't need me. Dude, you got, shit going on you got you got to make sure your people are good there's more birds coming so you're already calling or flagging or whatever you're doing like dude the best thing to do that's pure meat dog shit man just send that dog out there let him run around he gonna find something and let him and uh, this is something a lot of people don't think or realize or they just they don't know because they don't know you will but that movement from that dog running around in that decoy spread how many birds have you shot, killed, decoyed in because they were following your dog back into the decoys mm-hmm. or they saw that motion out there from a distance? Yeah, a lot. Running around, they don't mess anything up. Mm-mm. I've seen dogs, no, I've seen ducks land on a dog while you're swimming with a duck coming in. No, I mean, it, and like, like you said, like it works. I, you know, I, you just worry obviously about the safety of it all. And that's, that's another thing that people don't understand, but. You know, it's it's just one of those things. To the to the to a lot of people, I, I just think I'm gonna catch some flack because I just 
I just let him do what he does. He's fucking 10 years old. He's seen it all. He's done it all. It's like, what? Like, hunting is an uncontrolled environment compared to a field trial. Field trial is a very oh. controlled environment. Everything about oh, it is the same. A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, I do. I know. I, I definitely see the differences in both. But, like, Andy, getting back to your dog and, and him doing what he does, like, what do people expect for you to do to, to step out of the blind and, and line your dog up and blow your whistle and give him a nice cast and all fuck dude, you ain't got time for that shit. There's birds coming. Just send him, yeah. let him pick him up and let's keep this train rolling, dude. So I'm I'm already I'm already prepared for it, but you know, he's just he's he's an easy dog. He's you know, he's 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 very good at what he does. I don't have to give him just a whole lot of direction. And most of the time it is I grab the bird and it's just go. Do your thing. Yeah. Use your nose. You've got a better nose than I do. Like you're gonna yeah. see it, but you know, and like he bounces and like when he runs, he's not because he's. I haven't given him any direction, so he's got to, you know, he's bouncing and he's looking for where the bird's Bigger. laying. He's not going in a straight line. Yeah. He's like he's moving. So I don't know. We'll yeah. we'll see. But I'm I'm prepared for uh, I'm prepared for the worst with this one. Yeah, because you know, like people want this nice, pristine, perfect line and uh, all this other stuff. But I think you'll get more people are just going to bitch because people bitch about everything. Right. It's 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 low hanging fruit. But I mean, when there's six birds yeah. laying out there, and it's you know he get one. I don't give a shit which one it is. Just do it. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, hell, I would just not even dip in them comments dude i would just i would never even open that tab because who because honestly who gives that's it? exactly right yeah, but exactly right we're gonna see so all right my friend we've gone two hours and i know you've got to start packing for canada if you're not already so first paperwork man i can't wait to get back on it exactly you're buying licenses and stuff licenses filling out uh, bills of lading for transporting the birds doing all the tags i do all that stuff beforehand uh that way when i get there my guests walk into the lodge all they got to do is put their old Jan john hancock down on the paper and and that's it i need to so. send our guys our paperwork too he asked me about that hey what's the deal on guns getting across i'm gonna ask a dumb question i haven't went to canada in a while with a gun cafc 909 fill it out you can bring up the three shotguns per person and unless they change it from last year it's still a 25 dollar uh flat fee it don't matter if it's one or three of them it don't what about shells shotgun shells what about that you can bring up to a case a person so what is that 200 it's either 200 or 250 rounds. I think it's 200 because Boss, who we're tied to, they their cases come in 200, and they did that so that guys don't have to shuck out 50 shells at the border. Well, there you go. There you go. And then they allow, Andy, and I, I can't remember the exact number, but there's a, a certain allotment past that that you can pay duty on. You know, you just pay whatever the GST tax is on that, and then you you keep going. We're flying so. up, too, so I don't think we'll be able to get shells there. When are y'all heading up? We go up. The first trip is October 10th, I think, somewhere close to that. What province? We're going to be around Quill Lake. Okay. 
big snow goose guys. I hope not. We're, we're, we're shooting specks and Canada's and ducks. We're hoping, but I mean, we're gonna shoot whatever. We don't. We're going. The first trip will be October nine, ten, and eleven, and then the second trip is the seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth. So we go for three or four days, come home for three days, then we fly to up by Montreal to do our second hunt. Oh, y'all are doing. So y'all are doing Saskatchewan and then Quebec. Yeah. yeah. Nice, man. So we'll see. Well, so everyone. Eastern Alberta, I know a guy. There you go. We might we might be hitting you up. But listen, it's been a lot of fun. Be safe on the road, and I'm going to be calling you this uh, waterfowl season when my specs turn to dickheads to see what I need to do. And we can dissect, and it might all sound good, and we still get our ass. So, we'll, we'll get together. Listen, if you, when you see my phone ring, just know if you can't get it, call me back. If it, Desperation. <laughs> are you driving up through Colorado, or are you going through the game fair area? No, I'm because uh, I'm gonna go train up in Minnesota for a couple three days before I bounce. So I might hit up Game Fair too. If you see Mr. Miller, you tell him I said hello. I, I talked to Butch just a couple weeks ago. I will forward that on next time. I, I talk appreciate to it. You have a good day and good luck to you. Right. God bless you and be safe. Give him hell up there. Right. See you. Bye. See you. Really nice man. Yeah, he is. He's a cool dude. Cool dude. Um, I meant to ask him that Johnny Manziel uh, episode is out. I haven't watched it yet, though. I need something new. I've watched series. I can't get into nothing. I tried Virgin River. I tried uh, this was un- Outlander. Un- I didn't like it. Told, yeah, Untold Johnny Football. Yeah, I, I saw th- I saw that. I think it's out already. I wanted, I need a new series on Netflix, oh, a good series. I can't help you there. I can get you one episode. I, I, Amazon Prime, I could use a good series. I just want something new. I've watched The Godfather of Harlem, loved it. I just I need a new series to watch, and I can't get into anything. Every time I watch, it's about one episode. You know, it is one episode, and if you don't get into it, you turn it off. Yeah. I need to rewatch Peaky Blinders and watch the whole thing. I've never really go. gotten into it, but I need to do it when it's just me to watch TV. Well, Jeff, then I don't know what you're looking for here. I don't need. I don't have. You've a got a great series and Peaky Blinders, and you're. I've just, watched it, and I cannot. I really you're never. Poo, you're poo poo. I want to rewatch it. I did that with Heller or whatever it was about the train. Uh, Heller High Water, maybe. I'm telling you, though, Peaky Blinders gonna, season I'm gonna, one I'm gonna try it again. is slow. Okay, I'm going to try it again then. So just if you can get to season two, and I normally I hate series like that, but... Oh, I like more series. I want one with six or eight seasons, so I don't watch it. Me, me and Mom watch one, it's over. I'm like, some bitch... I could, the Lincoln Lawyer, I really like season one. Season two, I don't like as much. Oh, really? Nope, I don't know why. I didn't finish season one, so... I like season one. Season two, I just cannot get into. Hmm. And so, who knows? All right, I got some stuff of fires I got to put out. God bless y'all. Thank y'all for listening to us. Uh, have Clay Reed on next. See ya. Bye. Check out our sponsors. Go check out Dirty Duck Coffee, Shin Gear, Looking Glass Podcast, Dive Bomb Industries, Pacific Calls, Boss Shot Shells, Hemp Hill Farms, Alpha Outdoor Specialty, Stanfield Outfitters, Mossberg, Double T British Kennels, Ducks Unlimited, and Lucky Ducks.